Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. My name is David Chen, and this podcast has been recorded completely using shallow depth of field. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. I've got Garrett Dillahunt face. That is a face you can't trust. <laughs> and also Jeff Kanata. Brains are not always an asset to enjoying a movie. <laughs> Joining <laughs> us today for this podcast, she is editor of the Shutter Weekly Newsletter, The Bite, Ariel Fisher. Take my zombie. No, seriously. T- take it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome, Ariel. Thanks for uh, joining us today for the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm it's actually so really happy to be here. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I wonder if you're going to make that joke again you know later in the podcast. You know, that is in the, know. The, you know what that is in the, in the, the comedians call that a call forward. Mm, call forward, <laughs> yes. Uh, so for those who don't know, we actually recorded the review with Ariel first. And uh, she might have said that exact same thing when we introduced her for the review. So just uh, <laughs> letting you know. Uh, anyway. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes uh, of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Today on the podcast, we got some what we've been watching going on for you. We got some weekly plugs. We got a featured review of Army of the Dead. Then for the After Dark, we have something exclusively for our patrons over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast, uh, which is how you can support this podcast. You know, uh, we were going to do a uh, episode where we did a uh, coaxing Kanata which is a segment where we, Devendra and I, try to convince Jeff to watch a movie, usually a horror film, by spoiling the entire film and talking about it. Uh, but we decided to put that on hold this week because uh, something very sad happened this week, which is that Charles Gordon passed away. Yeah. And a oh. uh, very talented American actor, very very beloved actor. Uh, prolific. Prolific. Uh, you know, my first exposure to Charles Grodin was like the... Uh, the Beethoven movies. Really? Um, Before yeah. the Muppets? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The Muppets, Beethoven movie. And also, wasn't he in... Um... No, I'm thinking of some another movie. But anyway, yes. Yes. The Beethoven <laughs> you movies. You gotta love a guy who's in love with Miss Picky. You know? Oh, He's yeah. He, was, he had thirsty yeah. for that pig. Oh, baby. yeah. And the way he... the way he, Yeah. I mean, his whole depiction of that was, was amazing. And uh, just seemed like such a lovely person. And so, for the After Dark this week, we decided... Uh, we're going to review an older film. We're going to review Midnight Run on the Slash Filmcast After Dark. So for patrons over at patreon.com slash filmpodcast who back us at the $10 and above tier, uh, you're going to get our discussion of Midnight Run for the After Dark. And uh, I got to say, guys, I think this might have been my first time watching Midnight Run. Um, wow. Yeah. I know. And Listen, I, I, I've only ever seen bits of it in the 90s on TV. So I what? think. All the Me way too. through. It was, oh yeah, my gosh. My, it was my always list on. of shame. This is why I, I wanted us to on. do it because it's yeah. been on my list of shame. Oh, okay. For you didn't so mention long. that part, Jeff. You didn't mention <laughs> well, that. I was gonna, that was going to be my big reveal, and I thought you guys were going to be like, what? But mm, now I realize no. that all of us hadn't we're seen all, it. We're all shamed. We're all, yeah, all the way through, shamed. at least. Yeah. yeah. In any case, I mean, uh, that's what you have to look forward to the uh, for the After Dark. Um, and uh, Ariel, what were you going to say? Have you seen the movie? I was going to say, I mean, I still haven't even seen it at all. So I am the bearer of the big shame. It's a classic. I have friends who. Like it's their favorite movie yeah, ever. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. a you know it's a big it's a big major movie. So I can see oh, why. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, before we get to all that, there is one brief bit of film news I wanted to mention, and that is uh, in the New York Times today published an article entitled "Scrounging for Hits: Hollywood Goes Back to the Video Game Well." Sub subheading: After decades of game to film flops, a new effort led by Sony aims to adapt big PlayStation and Xbox franchises for movies and TV. End quote. And this movie kind of talks about how Sony is really spearheading this effort to 
make movies out of their video games. You got uh, Uncharted. You got The Last of Us. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, other properties uh, in the uh, getting the TV and film treatment, including Twisted Metal and Ghost yeah. of Tsushima. So the Jack and Daxter cinematic trilogy. It's coming. <laughs> you know. Spiral of the last right. Anyway, the gritty origin story of Crash. <laughs> yes. Hubert <laughs> finally coming back. OK, so uh, there is an image of Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland in Uncharted, which is one of the, one, not the first, but one of the first <laughs> looks at the film. That we uh-huh. got. And uh, I guess I'm curious. Let me start with you, Jeff. And then I yes. want to go to Ariel. But like, yes, you, you, you talk about <laughs> video games a lot, you know. I do. Um, and uh, you used to host a podcast with someone who was going to direct the Uncharted film. Yes, indeed. Uh, One of my best friends in the world was. What indeed. a winding road this movie has. Erstwhile, yeah, yeah. uh, erstwhile Uncharted director. <laughs> indeed. And, you know, Uncharted is a movie that has been in development for so long that I think it was originally conceived with Mark Wahlberg playing uh, Nathan Drake. And now yes, yes. Mark Wahlberg is playing Sully, Nathan yeah. Drake's you older mentor You live long character. enough to become yeah. the father character. You live long enough yeah. to see yourself become the older mentor character. Uh, so anyway, this is a single you know, frame from the movie. It's obviously not a thing we can judge the actual movie from, but the studio did release it in a bid for publicity. So we're going to talk about it as such. Uh, what did you think of this screen grab, Jeff? If you were just shown the screen grab <laughs> out of context, without yes. knowing any casting yes. for the Uncharted movie, uh-huh, uh-huh. would you go, they're making an Uncharted movie? <laughs> no, you would not. No, you would not. No. No, there you are would two not. characters. Two main, <laughs> there's a lot of characters in the Uncharted universe, but the two main characters in Uncharted... Ooh, you, there's a few things that everyone knows about them, right? Mm-hmm. One of them, no mustache. <laughs> the other one, mustache. <laughs> there's. You had one job. A, it's a real one differentiator. Yeah. The real differentiator between the two is that one character, there's one character. Who's the big, you know, action hero, uh, uh, kind of an in- young Indiana Jones type? You know, I think people know a lot about Nathan Drake. Uh, he's, he wears a necklace with a ring on it. He's got this uh, cool. Out- oh wait, n- okay, none of that in the image. Mm, That's mm. fine. It's fine. He can wear other clothes. He can wear. He can wear other clothes. <laughs> what it was? He was just wearing a jacket. How but about literally, that? Well, he, he has a half yeah. tuck going, Jeff. They got that right. They he got the half tuck. The half-tuck. Yeah, I got to give him credit where credit is tucked. But <laughs> the the. The only thing you know about Sully, if you're just a a (laughs) passive video game fan, the only thing you know about Sully is he's got a mustache. Yeah. What is the one thing he has always depicted depicted as having, regardless of what age he is in the games? We see him old. We see him young. Again, this movie is young Sully. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He's got that mustache. The mustache is 90% of the character. Uh 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 Wahlberg... Uh, no mustache. No mustache. No <laughs> now, mustache. Now, now, Jeff, like we have seen with uh, Batman versus Superman that uh, we have mustache reducing technology. Therefore, we can have mustache adding technology. Oh, please yeah. let them go They're back and digitally add a mustache yeah. to, yeah. Mark fair, to be fair, yeah. Mark Wahlberg has posted a selfie of him with a mustache. So I yes, think we yes, will yes. see Sully with oh, a mustache. We get the origin story of the mustache? In the I movie? hope so. I hope so. <laughs> One day, yeah, I just is, didn't want to shave. That yeah. is very interesting. You know, you guys realize, like, in general, in movies, uh-huh. people have the same facial hair for the entire movie, unless there is a big moment in the movie in which they shave it off or grow it out because they're in prison or whatever. Yeah. So, 
I think it's it's likely we will see an origin story of the mustache in this film at some point. This they could Batman begins the mustache. Indeed, you gotta you, you gotta, gotta understand where you his know family you, you, was killed by a lone razor. You know, <laughs> the lone razor. <laughs> nice. I ho silver. Yeah. Away. Ariel Fisher, your reaction to this? You seem like you had some thoughts on this. Oh yeah, no, I definitely have some thoughts. I I, I do find it's weird that I me with thoughts. Who who to thunk? But. Um, <laughs> I do find it's weird that it's, you know, we could have the origin story of the mustache, but when Sully and Nathan met, he had a mustache. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I think they're going to play with the mustache timeline in the movie, is my sense. <laughs> oh, okay. It's really the centerpiece of the movie. They're going to yeah. retcon the mustache timeline in the movie. So. Mystery of the Lost yeah. Mustache, yeah. 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 Well, it clears up all those mustache plot holes that we've seen in the game, you know? Truly, yeah. 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 Um, My reaction was, you know, when I saw this was, hey, movie, I mustache you a question nice. about the mustache. Nice. That was inspired by you, Jeff. Thank you. I love you. A good okay, anyway, Ariel, go ahead. Any other thoughts on this? <laughs> I, I just, I, the games are already basically movies on their own. Like, why did you not just go and adapt one of the scripts from the game and just make it a movie? Because, like, I'd see that. <laughs> also, I, I I, still, I have so many hangups about the cast. Like, I just went through and played all of them, except for the spinoff, the fifth one, technically. I which is very good. To play that play one. That one. It's, it's very good. good. It's very good. I hear yeah. it's the best one of the lot, yeah. which is really saying something, because I seriously liked four. But, um, I, like, if, if I had to, my dream cast for... An, for an Uncharted movie. It wasn't on Dreamcast. <laughs> Womp. Wow. Bes- <laughs> Besides that was Nathan. Unreasonable it's stuff. a video yeah. game joke, everybody. <laughs> womp womp. Besides Nathan Fillion, who would obviously be ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, J.K. Simmons as... Uh, mm. Sully. Um, Sully, thank yeah. you. Oh, man. Um, Brie Larson as mm. Elena. Mm. Yeah. And uh, Andy Samberg. As Nathan yes! Drake. Wow. Yes. Huh. Wow. Andy got, Samberg get buff. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Mm. He's huh. he's got the charisma. He's got the humor. He has that, like, we've seen him and his obsession with Die Hard in Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> and his ability to love fallible heroes. So, like, clearly he can embody that. So he was basically playing Nathan Drake in uh, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Basically. Without yes. the treasure hunting. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. That would have been mm. great. Hmm. Plus, I like ways to put a Jewish person in front of the camera. Yeah, love it. Bold, bold casting. I like it. Uh, yes. But also, Lonely Island presents Uncharted. <laughs> <laughs> I that would, would be that. interesting. That part Indeed. where Sully and Nathan start rapping. You just start battle rapping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are a lot of uh, video game, TV shows, and movies listed in this article. Let me just read a little bit. Halo. A series based on the Xbox franchise about a war between humans and an alliance of aliens will arrive on Paramount Plus streaming er- early next year. Mm. Um, Lionsgate Spielberg was is supposed adapting- to do that like a decade ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Lionsgate is adapting the Borderlands games into a science fiction film starring Kate Blanchett, Kevin Hart, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, buoyed by its success with The Witcher, Netflix has shows based on Assassin's Creed, Resident Evil, Splinter Cell, and Cuphead games on the way. And Le- uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy behind uh, Westworld are developing a science fiction show for Amazon that is based on the Fallout video game franchise. Sure. Um, so curious, any any of these uh, movies, Davindra, any of these uh, like excite you in any way? Uh, obviously, there's also Last of Us that's in production for uh, mm-hmm. HBO as well. But curious, any any of these you're really looking forward to, or are you like not looking forward to any of these? 
I, I don't know why I should look forward to any video game adaptation at this point. Like we've just <laughs> or, been burned anything, so many really. times. <laughs> Looking at this picture, life. I look at this picture and all I see is a cursed image of a 13 year old project <laughs> that I think multiple people like looked at it and was like, we can't adapt this. This is actually adapting a thing adapted from movies. We're just going full circle here. So I, I have no hope for this movie. We will certainly watch it and probably review it, but <laughs> Again, also, Ruben Fleischer doing this. I, I don't know. All I have no hope lost. for it. I'm not looking yeah. forward to it at all. Having said yeah. that, we will watch it and talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> got to get some content. We will, Day we will one. devote a we dramatic amount of time to this, this movie. Um, but yeah, uh, Ariel, any of these you're looking forward to? I'm really interested in uh, The Last of Us, actually. Yeah. I'm s- yeah. Particularly because, why am I forgetting his, his name? Mahershala? Um, no. Um, Craig Mason? No, the, uh, the, the director. Yes, uh, Mason. Craig Mason is show, showrunner. No, 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 like the um, uh, of the game. Oh, uh, Neil, Neil Druckmann. Druckmann. Yes, thank you, Druckmann. Yes. yes, the fact that he's on board with it. Yes, is he's what an gives executive me hope. producer. Yeah, yeah. So I just hope they don't pull a season one of The Walking Dead and like he's Frank Darabont in this situation because <laughs> if he can stay on board and so like actually make it embro- work, yeah. you don't want him to get embroiled in a protracted dispute about uh, profits from the show. Precisely, <laughs> <Basically>. yes. <laughs> That um, specifically, yes. It's a really oh, specific wish, Ariel, but you know, very know. specific. Um, <laughs> Jack I said Mahershala, by the way, it's, it's Pedro Pascal. I got to remind yeah, Pedro myself. Pedro Pascal. It's, it's a, interesting, interesting casting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kanata, Jeff, any uh, of those properties you're looking forward to that I mentioned? Well, I, I think that the last couple of years, we have been in the early 90s for comic book movies in the video game movie space, right? Where we were getting like Daredevil and Elektra, you know, Ben Affleck's Daredevil and Elektra and the mm-hmm. Catwoman movie. And it was just like, maybe comic book movies aren't going to work as movies. Just maybe, it, maybe comic books should be comic books and movies should be movies. And, uh, you know, there was a, Tim Burton did a good Batman, but maybe just comic books just don't work as movies. And then they figured it out, right? They started uh, figuring it out. And but, I... Uh, I'm to, to adjust your timeline there, that's early 2000s because we had a <laughs> failed state in the 90s, just like pure, mostly garbage in the Well, 90s. that's what we've had, right? Yeah, we, we, like yeah. the Sonic movie is all right. It was kind of fun. It was fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Sonic movie. And they're making the Sonic sequel, uh, which I guess is based on Sonic 3. Like the actual, it's going to have Knuckles and stuff. It's like, yeah, that shouldn't work. Sure. But um, <laughs> the, uh, I'm hopeful that... Video game movies are going to find their mojo in the same way that comic book movies did. Mm. And uh, and I think that that's why you're seeing all these slate is that everyone's betting that that's going to happen. And yeah. I and, and really oh, yeah. it comes yeah. down to creators who get it and understand what makes video games video games and what makes movies movies and what translates and how to do that authentically and cool. And it it has to do with, you know, the right creators on these projects and given the kind of artistic freedom needed to make them great instead of studios going in and mucking things up. And one hopes, uh, like Ariel pointed out, that Druckmann being involved uh, with the the series at HBO is helpful. And more of these properties are are given a little bit more, um, more trust, I guess, to, to sort of that, that the video game itself you know, you, you you look at something like the old Super Mario Brothers movie, you know, the, the terrible Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. movie. And it, the reason that movie is so terrible is because no one involved in it understood why Super Mario Brothers was interesting, right? They mm-hmm. just kept trying to put this square peg in a round hole. And I think that the 
the hope is that with something like Fallout and uh, any of these properties that you go, oh, what is cool about the video game and what would make it cool on the big screen, which is kind of what superhero movies are doing now or have done to make them the biggest things in the world is what's cool about superheroes and what would make them cool on the big screen and giving good creators who can make quality stuff the room and the budget to make cool stuff. So I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, let me just add to that. I think what is cool about video games is that you play them. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I don't know how, how do you, how do you, you know, solve that peg? Problem. I mean, could you well, have said the, the same thing about comic books? Like, I think the cool thing yeah. about them is you read them. You know, but the cool thing about comics, and I'm sure you'll say this, Jeff, is the interlinking stories, right? The thing where everything mm. is interconnected in a certain way. It's a it's a it's a saga. It's not just one movie. Right. And I think that's what the MCU at least did well. Well, what I, where I agree with you, Devendra, is that the thing that you get the magic of translating a comic book to the big screen is that you get to see these static images come to life in full, yep. full, mm-hmm. you know, realistic ways and many of these video games are already attempting to create visually realistic you know the uncharted games for example are beautiful and stylized in their own way but they're trying to be realistic and so there isn't i I think that's where it's like well these games you know what ariel said was these games are already movies is a lot different than a comic book which isn't already a movie a comic book is a storyboard for Mm -hmm. a movie right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I do think that that is inherently problematic where, you know, if, if that, that's why I honestly think that it's the right idea perhaps to do an uncharted movie. That's very different from the game. Cause at least, at least it's not redundant. I'm worried that the last of us show, which is supposedly based on the first game, although they say is going to be much expanded and, and yeah, broadened yeah. Uh, that it might just feel a little redundant to people that have already enjoyed the game. Yeah. It's um, that, that sounds the like same, they're doing game yeah. of Thrones again basically right like right. doing the hbo fleshing out the the thing that's already beloved yeah but also game of thrones game of thrones is another example of a book i read and mm-hmm. i had to think in my imagine in my head what everything looked like and just see it on a screen is like oh wow that's what a set designer thought that that looked like uh, th- those are really cool things but you've already seen that in a video game you have the set dressing you have the 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 world in a visual way so it's a trickier thing mm-hmm. and and so it may end up being the kind of thing where it's like not really worth it, yeah. but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Listen, we can all agree the best video game movie is Crank, right? And those yeah. guys should be doing Uncharted. <laughs> hardcore yeah, Henry. Hardcore Henry. Yeah, Henry. Hardcore, hardcore, hardcore Henry. Henry. Yeah. Also really good. Also yeah. really good. Well, we will see what happens with these video game movies. Uh, I, I think we're going to find out in the next couple years whether Jeff is right or wrong that uh, video game movies are on the up and up. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Headspace. You know, it's no exaggeration to say that for literally years, I told myself I was going to start meditating and be more mindful. And I never did. (laughs) I kept putting it off. Well, maybe next week, maybe next month. Oh, it'll be my New Year's resolution. And then it came and went and I never did. And then I got Headspace, the app. Headspace is my daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And it's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Are you overwhelmed? (laughs) I know I am. Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. 
You need some help falling asleep. Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents like me, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. I'm so excited to do that with my own kids when they get a little older. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I know that just having it there on my phone means that I actually do it. I actually calm my mind and feel a little bit better in just 10 minutes by using the app. And Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. That's how I've actually gotten myself to do it. Now you deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash filmcast. That's headspace.com slash filmcast for a free one month trial with access to Headspace full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal they're offering right now. Head to headspace.com slash filmcast. Again, H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, let's get to what we've been watching. I want to mention a few things. Number one, I had a chance to watch this show, Modoc, on Hulu. Modoc feels like the Lower Decks version of the uh, <laughs> Marvel Universe. You know, Lower Decks being the Paramount Plus streaming show about people that work on starships in the uh, mm-hmm. Star Trek universe that are like in the Lower Decks and therefore like the, the people you don't usually think about or talk about. Or uh, Harley Quinn. Have you watched Harley Quinn yet? I haven't WB? seen it. Harley Quinn's so HBO Max. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. yeah, this is like Marvel's version of Harley Quinn, I think. Got it, got it. Okay, well, uh, this is, uh, you know, Patton Oswalt stars as Modoc, who's this villain who's trying to take over the world, but uh, he, he's also uh, dealing with normal things like uh, but, but his also relationship. describe Modoc, you know? Uh, What'd you say? He's a giant Describe, head in the chair. He's oh, a yeah. giant head in the chair. He's like, like, that is the thing. He Nobody can take like, him uh, seriously. <laughs> yeah. He reminds me of uh, Kang from the, uh, from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he he looks very silly, but like in the universe of the show, like no one uh, really, like it's normal in the show that he looks different than all the other characters, yeah. right? Um, and uh, I have to say, I thought this was absolutely delightful. Like, the jokes are really sharp. It's great to hear Patton Oswalt doing voice acting for the main character. Um, I had a great time watching the first few episodes of Modoc on Hulu. Jeff Kanata, I think you also checked out the first couple episodes, right? Yeah, definitely. The thing you also haven't mentioned is it's all stop motion animated. Yeah. Uh, and done really well. I mean, really high quality animation. And a lot of the gags, a lot of the jokes are visual, are timing based you know these great stop motion animated gags uh it's really good i i don't think for me i laughed out loud as much as i did with harley quinn i think harley quinn is funnier but it's neck and neck and and, (laughs) for a character that has no neck um but uh i think i think modok is is delightful and it just it you know Patton oswald is credited as a producer i suspect that he may have been the brainchild of this you know this project may have been his brainchild because modok as a longtime uh marvel character is is ridiculous and it just it makes so much sense that Patton also will be like let's make a show about this guy it's so goofy anyway on the face of it and it, it really uses a lot of deep marvel lore to make some really deep marvel uh in jokes right about 
the goofiest characters. And a lot of the ways that Harley Quinn does that too, where, you know, Harley Quinn makes a calendar man joke. Um, you know, this will make a, a, a deep cut Marvel joke. So there's a lot of really fun stuff like that. It's my, goofy. My question it's for funny. you, Jeff, were you familiar with the MODOK character in the comics? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in the comics, is he like uh, a laughing stock or is no, he's no, like a no. he's like a normal villain, right? Yes. And so, and yeah. so this show kind of takes like a, a funny, yes. you know, satiric Irreverent. spin on the character. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Uh, in which case, I think it's even more brilliant, you know, like yes. that you'd take this character who looks really goofy and then make him like just like a kind of frustrated tech CEO, basically. Yeah. Right? And he's got yeah. kids. It's so funny that he has two kids with a with a, you know, a normal looking wife, yeah. who, you know, who's not a head in a chair. Uh, and then he's got two <laughs> kids. One of the, his son takes after the mom and is, is normal looking and his daughter is a head in the chair. Yeah. It's just, and it's, it's just so never, funny. it's never commented on. <laughs> it's never commented on, but it's hilarious. Cause you, you get that thing where, you know, like the That's how one works. kid looks yeah. like one, one parent, and the other kid looks like the other parent. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a great time with it. And yeah, like you said, they re- referred, they, they really play around with all the lore that they can, you know, yeah. um, because they're all owned by the same company now. Right. Like, um, yeah. Modoc is on Hulu, which is owned by Disney, right? right. Uh, or, or owned by Fox slash Disney. So like they're all they're all in the same family now, and it's fun to he- kind of see an irreverent take on Marvel stuff, which we don't see that often. You know, like right. the closest thing I think we came was like WandaVision, which uh, was on Disney Plus recently. But even that, you know, ended up becoming more of a Marvel film. This is just so far out there. Yeah, uh, that it's just it's delightful to see just for the novelty of it. So, yeah, uh, how, how far did you get? And are you planning to finishing it, Jeff? Oh, I'm definitely going to plan to finish it. I only watched the first two, but I yeah. I loved I loved what I saw. It's it's really and I can't overstate how great the animation is. It's it's great and it's gory and go- and like a lot of the fun, the fun is how violent it is, but in a cartoonish way. It's yeah, the producers of a robot chicken. Yes, help them. Yes, so Seth if you Green if you kind and, of enjoy the sensibility of robot chicken then I think you're going to really enjoy Modoc, which Ooh. is streaming right now on Hulu. So, uh, yeah, that's what we've been... That's what one thing I've been watching, Modoc on Hulu. Uh, okay. I saw this week one of the most... I, you know, I, I watched two things this week that depicted uh, modern challenges with fertility. Uh, you know, on on a TV show or film, and one of them was one of the most maddening, uh, arguably irresponsible depictions of this I've ever seen, <laughs> and another one was one of the most powerful, moving mm-hmm. uh, works about this that I've ever seen in my life. That that blew me away and left me feeling like this is a this is a masterpiece and a work of genius i hope we're thinking of the right ones at this point but yeah (laughs) which one of them is army of the dead (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a deep cut yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there is some interesting reproductive health stuff in that movie um okay i'm not going to talk too much about the first one the the first one that I wasn't a huge fan of was this movie called Together Together. Now you, this is a very small indie film, and usually I would just say I would just say nothing about right, it. I would right, just not right. even talk about it. Let, let it be. Because, yeah. Let it be because you know it's hard to make a film, and I don't want to like you know um, uh, denigrate anyone's hard work. That is like it's already hard enough to be an indie filmmaker in the world, um, and the, the all the people that made this film are super talented, and so. Um, uh, you know, it's I, I don't want to say too much negative about it, but 
I did find it to be a very frustrating film. It deals with basically surrogacy, uh, which for those who don't know, uh, is when a person that is not uh, related to you in any way agrees to carry your child uh, for you because of uh, biological reasons or any number of reasons. And the idea is that Ed Helms plays this father character who needs a surrogate um, and he is able to uh, recruit one who's played by Patty Harrison. Obviously, both of them are very talented uh, actors. And I know a bit about the surrogacy process and I just found its depiction in this film to be like basically the way it happens in this film, it's not that it would never happen this way, but like Please a lot don't of things tell me have, they fall in love. A, a lot of things would have to go wrong for it to happen this way. Uh-huh. And there are, there are in general protections to prevent things like this from happening. And, uh, and what I worry about is people like watching this and being like, Oh yeah, that's kind of like a, within a standard deviation of what like a surrogacy process is. And I just don't think it is, you know? And, um, and I found that to be like quite frustrating when I was watching the movie. Also, like I just found like just the violation of boundaries happening to be upsetting to me, you know? Uh, and so anyway, maybe that's just my own baggage. Uh, not maybe almost definitely it's my own baggage carrying into this movie. So like your mileage may vary, uh, in watching together together, but I, uh, have to say I did not enjoy this movie. Um, but the, it, the, the, my feelings about this movie were made even more stark in contrast after I watched the first four episodes of master of none season three this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should say that, uh, obviously there are, uh, people who think that Aziz Ansari is problematic. He is, his character of dev is not, really a main character in this season yeah. he's like he's a literally side a side character yeah, yeah. uh and uh that said aziz and sorry does direct many if not all the episodes and writes them too and yeah, yeah and, and writes with lena uh, waith yeah yeah and uh, here's what i'm gonna say i i think this season of the show is is like a is like a masterpiece I, mm-hmm, i'm just mm-hmm. i i saw the first four episodes this week i'm still thinking about them it, it completely destroyed me and uh i i don't want to say too much about it except i will say what the premise of it is right which is that in this season it's it is a complete departure from seasons one and two of the show right it's it's been years it's been four years yeah it's been four years season two yeah since uh season two of the show and so season one and two of the show we're following around uh, Aziz Ansari, who plays dev and his like adventures trying Mm -hmm. to become a comedian become an actor but also like random people in New York. It was all yeah. over the place. It was yeah, a little yeah. like a uh, high maintenance at times. Yeah. The event, kind of the adventures of Dev and Arnold, like w- was kind of yeah. the backbone of yeah. the show for seasons one and two. And season three of the show completely jettisons that. And it's called Moments in Love. And it's basically about uh, a relationship that Lena Waits' character, Denise, uh, has with a woman named Alicia, played by Naomi Aki. And that's, uh, I don't want to give away much more than that. I will just say that the way it depicts being in a relationship and the complications that come from it, as well as uh, just Naomi Aki's performance, I just think are astonishing. And it's, you know, I think it will be one of the best things I watched this year. Okay. Um, Devendra Hardwar, I know you also watched Master of None Season 3. I have. I have seen three episodes so far. And yeah, it is. it is fantastic. It is... It is definitely like a work of art on a in an extreme way, and also 
I, I think like it really shows uh, both Aziz and Sari's and Elena Waithe's like just their love of movies and cinema. Like this is very much uh, scenes from a marriage uh, done today, done with, you know, a lesbian couple from Brooklyn. Um, I, I think it's not a spoiler to say a couple things. And I'm just going to say this for people who maybe have given out, up on Master of None or who feel like they just don't want to see more from these people. I find it interesting that it puts uh, Lena Waithe's character in a place of success. And specifically um, at the beginning of the show, sure. At the beginning of the season, she's living in a beautiful farmhouse in upstate New York. You know, she has a successful book. She's married to this beautiful woman that she loves. This is almost, it's kind of fascinating looking at it compared to the first two seasons, which was really all about, young hipsters you know trying to do their best to make it in this crazy you know in the entertainment world and writing to be creative to find success in their relationships this series uh, this season starts with her pretty much having made it let me tell you an upstate farmhouse literally the ideal for a lot of people who are you know in brooklyn and struggling and want to you know make it in the creative world like everything she got the chickens She's got the antique furniture. It is uh, it is so ideal. But I really loved how this season um, has explored the relationship so far, based on what I've seen. And uh, the filmmaking is just so patient. It is so delicate. It is sometimes maybe a little self-indulgent. Like, this is a show where you'll watch people just do laundry together, you know, or do, like, basic chores but I do think it does a good job of really investing you in this relationship and making you feel like, you know, you're, you're a character alongside this couple. And I really appreciate that. It is shot in four by three. You know, it's, it's a very distinct look. It looks like it's shot on film as well. Uh, clearly they're going for like an, a, an older aesthetic and I think it really works here. So it's really fascinating to see that juxtaposed with like, yeah, modern stuff, you know, modern characters and technology and things like that. So I'm digging it. I think it's worth watching for sure. And, uh, you know, say, feel what you will about Aziz and sorry, but I think between him and Lena Waithe, like, I think they've created something truly special here. Yeah. And Lena Waithe, by the way, is doing really well. You know, um, yeah. she, it, it kind of, the show kind of mirrors her place in society. Um, mm-hmm. just, uh, her success with uh, she was just part of this Amazon show them and um, she's working on a Showtime show, a BET series um, and a feature film called Beauty, which is going to be out later this year. So like uh, she's doing really well. Uh, and so I think the, the mm-hmm. show kind of reflects on that a little bit. Um, let me ask you, Ariel Fisher, have you watched any Master of None? And I'm curious, like if you have any thoughts on like watching the new season, is, is this something that you're interested in? Are you not going to because of um, real life events? Just curious, like your thoughts on it. Well, I I love the first two seasons of Master of None. I think they're excellent. I, I truly do think that they are exceptionally written and really well directed and executed. Everything about them is great. Um, I genuinely i don't i don't remember all of the details about what happened it was not i'm sorry yeah this is that's gonna be a longer conversation but (laughs) yeah i I like personally and i i I just think like it is compared to a lot of the shit we see from absolute monsters in this industry it it felt like a weird little bit of a hit piece but i don't know that site doesn't exist anymore well, you know, yeah. like we'll, we'll it's say all basically, yeah. I think we can basically say that there are uh, gradations of yeah. terribleness and yes. that many, many people would put him on the uh, lower end of that, given the things that he was accused of. Um, exactly. So, that, and yeah. that's and that's what I remember about it, more or less. I mean, he's yeah. uh, but it's 
And I think it is important that it's not enough to say, well, he's not as bad as Kevin, Kevin Spacey or Harvey Weinstein, because like you shouldn't have to be that bad to have consequences for your actions. And he did have some consequences for his actions. Clearly, he is barely involved in the latest. Well, I mean, he's directing. He's barely on screen. He's barely on screen. He's absolutely involved, though. Yeah. 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 This is part of his whole comeback thing. Yeah. 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 And and. Honestly, I think it's fine. I think it's interesting that he's decided to take kind of a backseat, all things considered, because the Mm -hmm. show was about him, like, first and foremost. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by that gesture in and of itself. And And I'm so enamored of the first two seasons that I'm really genuinely very Mm -hmm. curious to see what they do with this season. Like, I I will 100% be watching it. Honestly, I'm so glad they also moved away from the deaf stuff, too, because as a character, he started to get really annoying in season two, you know, it's <laughs> a like, little. I, I, I get it, guy. Like, you're in love with this beautiful Italian lady. Like, your your entire life is like a beautiful, you know, Italian neorealist film at, at this point. Um, but yeah, as a character, you know, uh, wanted a little more, wanted something different. And this season mm-hmm. is certainly something different. Yeah, I, I, I think that here here's my thoughts on this. I think. Anyone can like any if you have an opinion about wanting to watch it or not being willing to watch it or whatever, like I completely respect that. Like he's done some terrible thing. Like he's done something that crosses the line for you personally. And uh, that's a completely defensible point of view for you to have. I obviously watched the show. I got to the end of episode four and I, I, I was so like incredibly i'm getting like emotional just talking about it like i was so incredibly moved by that episode and and the the directorial decisions made in that episode Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. naomi aki's amazing performance in that episode that i just like want to tell everyone about how amazing the show is but at the same time i also respect and understand that like people have differing opinions on like how we should approach and handle the art of uh, men that are considered to be problematic you know and i and i want to respect that as well so Mm -hmm. those are the kind of impulses that war inside me as i watch the show and also he he confronted that directly in his last comedy special correct so it's like he he dealt with it head on now he's getting on with the work which is uh, yeah yeah it's up to us to judge i want to say by the way if you want to see more of naomi aki she's incredible in the end of the fucking world season two Mm. She is really good. And uh, yeah, I, I that can't show wait for you to fantastic. finish this season. Divindra, I'm looking I think, forward to it. I think yeah. you're going to just be, it, uh, it, it, it is a tour de force. What yep. happens this season. So anyway, um, Jeff Kanata, are you going to check this out? What do you think? I can't wait. I was, yeah. I, this is your, came out, this is for you, Jeff. <laughs> it yeah. came out last night, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, the only reason I haven't watched it already is, is because it came out last night and, uh, <laughs> I do, the, I do my other show last night. So I, uh, I can't wait. I, I, I'm so excited to hear how positive you both are on it. I will say one last thing, which is that it is a dramatic departure from the previous two seasons, like yeah, in terms fine. of style, I mean, it, in terms of, Sub, like a, a kind of substance in some ways, right? Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it's vastly different. And I can totally understand people wa- wanting to see more adventures right. of Devin Arnold. It and is, then it like, it's not like a funny, wacky journey. Right. It is not like that. Yeah. And I can understand wanting that and then watching this and being coming way disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like it will not, it will not scratch that itch if that's what you're looking for. Um, it is something that is original, uh, that is bold that is compassionate. Uh, and I think if you're looking for that uh, and, a, and a commentary on modern relations, uh, relationships in a way that most TV shows and films uh, in territory, most TV shows and films dare not tread, mm-hmm. um, I think you're going to find that 
in Master of None season three on Netflix. So, okay. Um, sorry, sorry to get emotional, guys. I no, just was, fine. I just was no. deeply moved. Uh, it's an by incredibly the moving show. Yeah, yeah. N- yeah. Never, anyway. ever, ever apologize for getting <laughs> emotional. Yeah, uh, I, I generally, I generally don't. Um, but uh, I also just feel a little weird about this one because I think that listeners probably have a wide range of opinions on whether mm-hmm. we should even be talking about a show like you know, like. And I want to respect that as well, but I also can't mm-hmm. deny that I saw something that like was so powerful for me. So, anyway, Master of Done season three, Devendra, uh, you finished the Nevers, right? How, how was that? I did finish the Nevers, Ooh. especially after our chat with Roxana last week, where she got me really excited about it. There was so much chatter about the final episode. Like that is it. That's the sort of thing that really gets me to to complete a series that I've been kind of like hesitant on. So I mainlined four episodes of the Nevers uh, one night last week, and. Let me tell you, ho buddy, Joss Whedon kind of did it again. Like he did a big thing that he has done already in other shows. Um, But it is so wild Mm -hmm. what goes on in the final episode. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say much, but uh, (laughs) maybe, maybe I'll say worth worth watching, worth seeing, worth devoting your time to. It is six episodes. Okay, it is six episodes. It is well done. Uh, you know, I don't know what you call it, like supernatural science fiction, historical drama type thing. Um, great characters, great action. Episode three, I think, has one of the most unique action sequences I, I can remember in a very long time. It involves one character who can walk on water. Right, and one yeah. character who is drowning and who can, you know, who, who cannot. So just like the way they filmed it, the way it's choreographed, like it is so just, good. there's so much cool stuff in the show. So like, yeah, talk about problematic people like fuck Joss Whedon at this point. But I think we all know um, he, he is no longer on the show after these episodes. There is a, you know, there is a dedicated writing staff and a new showrunner. I am very interested in where the show goes because it is a wild thing that they did. It is a complete leap. Like, and I cannot, it, it, it is crazy. Like, I feel like we need to have a spoiler chat at some point because mm-hmm. it just goes to an incredible place where you're like, I don't, oh, I'm just watching something completely different when you start the final episode. But no, it's all actually connected. And as somebody who loves like just wild um, and really geeky science fiction television, um, I love the fact that an actor typically associated with great you know science fiction tv uh just <laughs> pops up for no reason like there's so many things i felt like it was an episode made for me so if you have feelings like me about the nevers and you like the whedon stuff um or at least the tropes and not the guy himself um i think you should definitely watch the nevers and wh- just strap in for that final episode i cannot wait for the rest of this first season because this is just the uh the end of the first half basically mm. ariel sounds like you're a fan of the nevers as well yeah Oh yeah. See, the, the, here's the problem with un, with as yet unmedicated ADHD. I forget what I've seen, <laughs> so I completely forgot that I had watched all of the Nevers, but I did, oh, yeah. and I love it. Um, yeah. No, I I basically echo everything Devendra said because I was just cheering. Yes. I was just like cheering to myself in my basement watching this episode. I was like, you're going there. Wow. Every amazing. every episode, I was doing the exact same yep. thing. I'm like, oh, okay, what's next? It was like I was a kid just sitting there, like resting on my chin oh, on man. my hands. I felt like, like okay. I, I, so there was a time, like in college and probably after, where I would just like mainline, you know, Buffy and Angel DVDs, you know, and, yep. and everything. And this was exactly that. And gathering friends around and just like the storytelling and where these characters go, it is the same vibe. And, uh, you know, it's a rare thing to re experience that. So, yeah, worth watching. 
And it was really interesting. I found the thing with the the last episode and all I'll say about it is he kind of pulled a dollhouse. He did. Yeah. Which I, we actually had to pause the episode and double check that we were watching the right thing, (laughs) which I didn't think was like possible. And there's this whole thing. Don't, don't even, if you don't know what happened with dollhouse, don't go look it up because I guess spoil what happens here. But it is a wild thing, and as like one of the lone fans of Dollhouse, you know, it's like, oh, I see, I see exactly what they're doing <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, I love Dollhouse too. Love it. Yay. Oh, okay. nice. not alone anymore. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, that's the Nevers, and it's streaming right now on HBO Max. Hey, it's Jeff here to tell you about our sponsor, Candid. Are you unhappy with your smile? You don't have to be. Thousands of people have used Candid, the clear, comfortable, removable, and practically invisible aligners to help straighten their teeth. And now they love their smile, just like my wife has done. She's one of the thousands. She used Candid to help straighten her teeth and improve her smile. And she was thrilled with how easy it was and how great it turned out. And Candid is here to help straighten your teeth so that you can fall in love with your smile, too. Your treatment is prescribed and closely monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. You'll have the same quality of care you'd get from an in-office orthodontist from the comfort and convenience of your own home. And while other companies use general dentists, Candid only works with orthodontists. With Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan is with you from start to finish, so you never have to wonder how you're doing. The average Candid treatment is just six months, and you'll start seeing results way before that. And it costs thousands less than traditional braces. My wife has been so happy with the process of using Candid to straighten her teeth. She recommends it, and therefore, I recommend it as well. Become your best you. Start strengthening your teeth today. Right now, you can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to CandidCO.com filmcast and use the code FILMCAST. That's Candid, C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O dot com slash FILMCAST and the code FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. CandidCO.com slash FILMCAST. Promo code FILMCAST. Hey, I got to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Theragun. Boy, I love my Theragun. My wife and I both love it. This is something we use almost every night. We take turns Theragunning each other. And I got to say, it has changed our lives. (laughs) It is is so, so amazing, this thing. You look at it, and it's like a a piece of, of science fiction technology. Theragun is a handheld, percussive therapy device. What does that mean? Well... It means it gives you the most amazing muscle massage. It it releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. I promise you, if you've not seen it, you can't believe it can do what it can do. It's extraordinary. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush, which I find to be almost equally Amazing. This is the Gen 4 Theragun. It just just feel good. It gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. I'm telling you, there's nothing like this thing. My wife and I swear by it. We have all kinds of muscle tension. We've had a very stressful year, as I'm sure you have. 
and we use this on our neck and shoulders, on our back. It is night and day difference, and you don't even need to use it that long. Just a few minutes, and it's it's a huge relief. And whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, or maybe you have an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life like I do, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and the design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Like I said, it's a science fiction device. You just go to their site, you can check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Both my wife and I work from home, and we spend all day sitting in front of a computer in our chair. Without Theragun, I'm telling you, we would be so much more uncomfortable through the day. You can self-administer, but if you have a loved one that can do it for you, it's even better. And Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me and my wife. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash filmcast right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash filmcast. Theragun, T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Okay, Ariel, you've been watching a couple things on TV as well, right? Yeah. Apparently, I've been watching things I keep forgetting about, but... (laughs) Um, I have been, for the first time, I started going through The Sopranos, um, which is wow. one Amazing. of, yeah. oh yeah, it's, I, everybody I know, like, loves it or has been encouraging me to watch it. And it's one of my, my, my big brother's favorite shows, uh, that and Deadwood. So, like, I finally went through all of Deadwood a couple of years ago and now it's like, okay, it's fine, time to finally sit down with The Sopranos. And I'm... I want to say I'm on episode eight or nine of the first season. Like I'm oh, not wow. very far, okay. yep. but uh, I did not expect it to be so funny. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. I was, you thought it was going to be the wire or something. Yeah. Well, no, I, even, I couldn't, yeah. I, I need to give the wire a sh- another shot too, because I could not get through it for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Maybe it just couldn't hold my attention. Maybe now that I'm getting Adderall this week, it might change. Who knows? But <laughs> um, I just, I was not expecting the humor. And like, as, as a Jewish woman, I'm seeing a lot of correlation between how like Italian nonnas speak to like how my body yeah. speaks and I'm watching it going, Oh my God, I know who you are and you make me fucking crazy, but like yeah. you're hilarious. So it's okay. But, it's, easy, and- it's easy to forget that the first couple of seasons of that show is really like, it's a show about a guy and his mom. Mm-hmm. And and it's yeah. a, it's a it's a and great banter. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it, it really becomes something else later on, but uh, I'm yeah, so it's, 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 it's a wacky concept of like, what if a mob boss had mommy issues? You know, it, it, <laughs> it really goes there. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. And just that exploration of like the psyche and getting to dive into, you know, this idea of what if a mob boss had depression and like anxiety disorders and needed to be treated. And it's, it's so fascinating to me. Like I'm, I'm trying to remember when it took place at the same time uh, as like considering the toxic masculinity in the world, let alone in, you know, the mob small thing, but um, it's just really fascinating to watch how all of that plays out. And I'm just, it feels like an anthropological study and I kind of love it. Like I'm really invested now, which is great. 
Uh, well, that's great to hear. I yeah, it's it's definitely a classic, and it's it's something I feel, people talk about culturally relevant. This is something mm -hmm. that I feel like people continue to talk about and refer to. I actually just discovered a podcast called Pod Yourself a Gun. Yes, <laughs> that is about like recapping every episode of The Sopranos, uh, which uh, former guest of the show Vince Mancini is on that show, and uh, uh, it's a pretty pretty enjoyable show. So. I uh, I'm glad you're getting into it, and just, just wait until season two, Ariel. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm very excited. I, I still can't uh, see the HBO fuzzy logo stinger and yeah. not expect mm -hmm. that Sopranos song to yeah. come. Yeah, and it's such a good opening song. It's one of the great, perfect. one of the great all-time opening credit sequences. Yep. Yeah, yep. it's so good. Ariel, you've been watching the Orville as well, yes? Yes, yeah, I have. And I'm not, I've never been like the biggest Star Trek fan. I kind of got into it a bit more because my ex was super into it. And like, I fell in love with DS9. And then I, you know, I found the Orville and I thought it was going to be super sticky and right. that it was going to kind of be, you know, whatever, it's tongue in cheek. And like, it's basically family guy in space. And I was so pleasantly surprised to find that it wasn't and that it's like the ultimate Star Trek show without being an official Star Trek show. Well, it's mm -hmm. probably, I think, as we, has been pointed out on the show previously, on this podcast previously, it's probably the closest thing right now to classic Star Trek on the air. Yeah. Like compared to like what discovery and picard you know like this show is probably the closest thing to like tng that there is right now right exactly yeah strong tng vibes you've got like that subtle through line with the krill and then you have you know everything else is episodic and like their marriage having fall fallen apart and everything is kind of that other through line but otherwise it's episode by episode adventure after adventure after adventure and each of them is compelling some of them are just funny some of them are really deep and meaningful and address serious issues and all of it makes you think, and all of it is weirdly touching in this strange way. And getting to add in, like, it, it's strange how you, you you throw in a, a bitch or a fuck here and there, and all of a sudden everything kind of just gets a little bit more lighthearted, but it doesn't lose any of its power. <laughs> it's I it, there, it has a really strange knack for embracing the humor in its very human stories, and I I really love it a lot. Wow. All right. Um, anything prompt you to watch it just out of curiosity? Like, uh, um, honest. Well, I had started it when it initially was released and then I kind of just lost focus on it. And lately I've been looking for something kind of just light and enjoyable, mm -hmm. I guess, to counterbalance the Sopranos a little bit, but <laughs> not that that's, the it's actually a lot lighter than I expected, Yeah, but it, um, no, it just jumped out at me. I was looking at Hulu one day. I was like, oh, yeah, I really liked you. I should check you out again. So well, the, Cool. Uh, I will check it out based on that recommendation. It's The Orville. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Jeff Kanata, what are you watching? Well, uh, several weeks ago now, I think three weeks ago now, you'll recall, faithful listeners, that we had friend of the show Dan Gvazdin on to help us talk about the Mitchell's versus the machines. And in that episode, Mr. Gavazdin recommended uh, a couple of things. And then the following episode, I watched those things. Uh -huh. uh, one of was the show about the show and the other was uh, there's no I in threesome. Yeah. And I watched the show about the show and loved it. It exalted its, its praises from the rooftops. 
and was like, well, Gavazdan can do no wrong. I, I got to watch this other thing that he mentioned and watch the There's No Iron Threesome. Dave and I both did, uh, and both of us, uh, what's fair to say, loathed it? Yes. Uh, Dave, loathed it? Yes, loathed, hated it. Uh, yeah. We reviewed it in the Slash Filmcast After Dark, yeah. Uh, and and uh, Dan, to his credit, listened to that episode, and, and he uh, sent me a message saying, uh, I feel so bad that you uh, endured that movie based on my recommendation. Which and I never can't apologize. To, yeah, never yeah. apologize to Jeff for wasting his time. Let's let me put that out there. <laughs> well, Dave certainly <laughs> never has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought it, it was a very it. lovely thing for him to do, and I I, I tried to in, you know reassure him and saying, "Hey, you could give me a hundred bad recommendations. The show about the show, I didn't know about it. That alone is like one of the." wackiest craziest and most insane memorable things i've ever watched I, I will always be indebted to you but dan insisted he said no 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 i want to give you another recommendation to make up for it wow uh so he recommended something it's a little bit older i think it came out in 2012 uh but it's also on youtube and it is called the exquisite corpse project what have any of you guys been familiar mm, with this nope no. Okay. Well, I don't know if you you know the term the exquisite corpse, but it it refers to basically uh storytelling where you hand off your story to the next person. So, mm. it's a very common improv game, you know, once upon a time there were two people and walked into a building and then the next person goes and that building was under attack by aliens and then the next person goes and those aliens all looked like Ronald Reagan. You know, it's it's that kind of thing where yeah. it, it tends to get wacky, but the idea is in the exquisite corpse and there, I have a friend that plays Dungeons and Dragons, like the Exquisite Corpse, where one person is the DM one week, the next person's the DM next week, and they just the story is handed off, and you see where it goes. It's almost like game, playing a game of telephone. There's a lot of fun to be had with that, and things can go crazy. Um, the idea behind this film is that a group, uh, a, a comic sketch, a sketch comedy group um, of of friends. One of them decided to ask everybody to make a movie where each of them would write 15 pages of the movie, but only get to read the previous writer's last five pages. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't actually know the setup for what they were continuing other than the last five pages of the script. And they called this the exquisite corpse project. Uh, the the film that you watched, it's just over an hour. I think it's an hour and 10 or 15 minutes, something like that, on YouTube, is, I think, a really interesting approach wherein you are watching both the movie that they made and a making of that movie at the same time. So it describes the process. It shows footage that they took when that idea was presented, uh, interviews with them along the way, all interspersed with the actual scenes that have now been shot of the movie that was written. Really, actually, very cool approach. And I think unconventional in the sense that the way you would expect that to work, at least I would expect it to work, is that you would sort of e express it chronologically. Like, okay, here's where we started, and here's the moment where we all learned about it, and here's the next person, and here's the next person. But it's not like that. It, it, it really jumps around and presents, um, you know, you'll see people talking about seeing the final version of the film at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, and and it, it uses moments from the entire process of, I would assume, multiple years of this process 
um, throughout the doc- the documentary slash fictional film. Uh, so you'll see like a section of the movie and then it'll like big text will come up on the screen and it'll be like, this is the moment. This is the, the beginning of the pages that, you know, so-and-so saw. And then it'll like take a second and introduce you to so-and-so and like be like, this is Gary. I don't know. I can't remember any of their names, but this is Gary. And Gary uh, is this kind of guy. He likes these kinds of things. And here's what he was expecting. And here's his react. Here's the moment that he first read the pages that he got. And it's, it's interesting. It's like structurally very sophisticated, I think. And the first, they make a big deal about the first guy that goes, uh, and it is all men. Uh, the first guy that goes, uh, it has the easiest job, right? Cause he gets to start everything off. He doesn't have to be looking at anybody's previous pages. He just gets to start the movie. Um, so the first guy that goes, makes a really cool 15-page movie. Like, it is an awesome setup, and they shoot it really, really well. It is so, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then you realize that all of these dudes are narcissistic assholes. And none of them actually wanted to do this. And so they all just try to ruin it for everyone else. And the whole game that they're playing isn't Exquisite Corpse. It's how can I ruin this as profoundly as possible? And it's massively disappointing because Mm. none of them are in a good faith agreement with the rest of them. They all are really petty. And I think by the time this thing had started, their group was sort of crumbling. And the guy whose idea it was was trying to use this as a way to galvanize the group. And it completely backfires because none of them give a shit about the project. And the idea is, you know, if you're playing a game of telephone, like we've all played telephone, you get in a circle and somebody comes up with a a common phrase, like, you know, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. And then you whisper it to your friend and uh, you, you buy, he goes around the circle and when it comes back to the thing, you realize that it, it is transformed into some ridiculous thing because the misunderstandings that happened along the way. But the way to play that in good faith is you actually attempt to communicate that thing to the next person. And you try to see how, even when you're trying hard to do it right, it still morphs, right? This movie, this project is basically like somebody going, whispering a game of telephone and going one in the hand is worth two in the bush. And the next person turns and goes, poo poo pants. <laughs> that's what, that's the equivalent of what happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is zero attempt to actually do the thing. And it is so infuriating. It is like they immediately invalidate everything they've read and they're upfront about it. They're like, I thought those pages sucked. I didn't care about it. They'll have like characters turn to the camera and be like, yeah, now everything's going to change and just do a different style of movie. Make There's one, one guy who's like, I tried to make the stupidest thing I could. And he just says that. And he's worked because it is stupid. And it, it ruins it, completely ruins it. It's such a cool idea mm-hmm. to make this movie and then make the making of the movie as part of the movie. But like a half an hour, or not even a half an hour, 10 minutes in, you realize, oh, this is, this is not even, they're not even trying. There's, there's nothing here. It's just like, it's just five sketches back to back 
that are one is really good. The first one is really cool. It sets up this cool dynamic of this husband and wife that like start doing petty crimes to juice up their marriage. It's like, it's this amazing setup. And then the next one is like, and then they did poo poo pants. Yes. Like it is so, so frustrating. Mm. Um, but I think an interesting, an interesting, um, almost, uh, uh, you know, sociological study <laughs> into, yeah. into like, don't be a douchebag, you know, and it, and it is so part and parcel to a lot of these groups that I've been familiar with as a comedian and actor here in Los Angeles that, you know, people get together to make content and they have no intention of actually working with other people. Mm-hmm. They just want to be, it's just want to be about them and, it's just on display. It's like, oh no, they have, they have no desire to actually be collaborative in any way at all. They're just narcissistic douchebags, and they're going to do whatever they want to do and fuck everybody else. So that's the exquisite corpse the, project. <laughs> the exquisite corpse project on YouTube. I mean, it sounds like a waste of time, Jeff. And if people want to hear uh, some dudes like narcissistic guys trying to subvert each other, they can just listen to the size from Cassidy Week. You know what I mean? <laughs> That is a great point, Dave, yeah. but I would have made it better. Mm. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> you guys have so much love for each other. It's I see great. What I see what I did there. I see what I did there. Okay. I, yeah. I, did there. Okay. Let me uh, just say one th- I know you yeah. just deleted my other thing, but I just yeah. want to quickly mention the other thing that I've been watching <laughs> is uh, like actual real life gymnastics. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just want to highly recommend, and I haven't been watching it like on television. I've been watching just YouTube clips of Simone Biles. Oh, yeah. Uh, anybody that's not watching that right now, you are missing. It, like watching hmm. Michael Jordan in his prime or Wayne Gretzky, or, and whoever you want to point out as the greatest of all time. Simone Biles is just, just, I, I promise you, even if you don't care at all about gymnastics, you're going to watch a human being do things that no other human being has done in competition. She's literally doing, she'll do like three or four tricks, different tricks that are all called the Biles. Because no other human being has ever been able to do them before. Um, just like day before yesterday, she did a, a a vault that literally has never been landed in a competition. It's extremely dangerous. She did it four times in the same day. It's a level of goat that you just do not see at all. She is the best who has ever lived at what she's doing, and she's doing it in real time right now. Don't miss out on watching Simone Biles be a gymnast. All right. That's the Exquisite Corpse Project and Simone Biles on YouTube. That's what we've been watching this week. Let's do a quick weekly plug segment. We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly plugs, the part of the show where we plug something we've been creating. I'll go first real quick. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I joined TikTok. And uh, last week, I mentioned on the show that I had received 1 million TikTok views in my first two (laughs) weeks. And uh, in the past week, I've received 250,000 TikTok views. So at the rate that I'm going, 
I'll be done with TikTok in three weeks. Um, Good job. Good job. So, uh, but until that <laughs> Sounds time, right. until that time, feel That's free to follow me. That's not the trajectory I anticipated. Yes, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Next week you will be a TikTok mogul, and uh, the following week you'll, it'll be your fall from grace. Uh, I can't wait yeah. to be done with this app. Yeah. Um, but until that happens. <laughs> You can watch my my work over there at You're TikTok. You're going to be at TikTok Kyle's next week, Dave. Yeah. I, I bet you. At TikTok.com slash at Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chensky. Check out my work there. Um, I think if you enjoy this podcast, you'll probably enjoy my TikTok. It's, uh, it's very thematic that TikTok careers are brief but highly entertaining. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Ariel Fisher, uh, give us a weekly plug. Well, I my my weekly plug is usually the same thing, and it is Shutter's weekly newsletter, The Bite. We have amazing essays every single week. Every Tuesday, it comes out, and we've had uh, a lot of really amazing writers. I've you know I've featured journalists, I've featured new writers, I've featured authors, actors, producers. You know, uh, we've had you know David Cargill. Uh, sorry, Robert Cargill. I can't speak anymore. Apparently, <laughs> uh, he he wrote a really excellent piece right around the time when I started. So like, there's great voices in there, and at the same time, we you know. I'm always recommending, you know, some new thing that we love this week, whether it's something you can buy or something you can enjoy or an image of the week that's sometimes either beautiful art from members of the community or uh, like an image uh, behind the scenes picture or something like that. And it's got all the highlights from the week in horror. So it's I cannot recommend it enough. All right. That's the bite. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Devinder Hardware, your weekly plug. I want to shout out my review of the new M1 equipped iMac from Apple. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are interested in that thing. Um, that's over in Gadget. And I also wrote about this thing called Moxie, which is a robot companion for kids. It is uh, it is kind of wild. It's very much that Black Mirror. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was one of the robots, the, uh, the Miley Cyrus robot. Um, it is very much that thing that hangs out with your kid and can talk with them and read. I wrote that up in Gadget 2. It is, it's pretty wild. And maybe we'll get Ashley to a future two, where we... I think Ashley the name 2. Of it. There Ashley you go. Two, yeah. Ashley 2. Yeah. Uh, we are getting to a future where we can live with robots and actually talk with them. Because, hey, we've been living with them for years. If you have a Roomba or anything, you've got a robot in your house. So this is, it's pretty cool. Check out my write-up. Uh, it's very expensive. So I don't think many people are going to buy it. But it is kind of, uh, kind of intriguing. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I, I watched your iMac review. It was very good, Devendra. And uh, looking forward to checking out this uh, Moxie Robot article. Jeff Kanata, weekly plug. We talked a bit about video games in this episode. If you want to hear me talk more about video games, I have an entire podcast devoted to it. It's called DLC. This week's episode, uh, I think, is particularly interesting to folks who listen to the Slash Filmcast because our guest, Tasha Sonart, works at Pixar. Uh, she's awesome and Yay. super nice and really interesting. Um, and she's an animator at Pixar. She has animated some of your favorite scenes from some of your favorite Pixar movies. Uh, and we had her on talking about, she's also uh, works at, on theme parks now and interactive stuff. So we had her on talking about video games and you can find that at five by five dot TV slash DLC. Those are our weekly plugs for this week. Hey, I'm jumping in here to tell you about our new sponsor, Magic Spoon. That's right. I get to talk about cereal. Do you love cereal as much as I do? Or were you like me where you weren't allowed to get the sugary cereals when you were a kid? And so when you were an adult, you went overboard on sugary cereals. Man, I love cereal. But I as an adult, because I'm adulting all the time, I realize I can't have these sugary cereals anymore. 
It's full of garbage. <laughs> These are horrible things. I don't give them to my kids, that's for sure. Because it's full of sugar. It's full of junk. And since I've been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and unhealthy food, and I realized I basically can't eat any of that stuff anymore. Also, my daughter, who's just diagnosed with a, a condition that means that we can't give her that kind of stuff anymore either. That's why I'm so excited about Magic Spoon. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, so that's good stuff, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories in each serving, and it's keto-friendly. That's the kind of diet I have to give to my daughter. Keto-friendly, which I've heard is actually really good for you, even beyond what my daughter has to do. Keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. So you're going to say to me, Okay, Jeff, I get it, but it probably tastes terrible. No, no. I just got the variety pack, which has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And I'm telling you, almost indistinguishable from the sugary garbage cereals that you're familiar with. That fruity one is so delicious. I have it at night sometimes as like a late night snack. Because it's just, it tastes amazing. I can't believe there's zero sugar in it. It's incredible. And if you mix the cocoa and the peanut butter, yeah, that's right. There's chocolate in my peanut butter. There's peanut butter in my chocolate. It tastes like a peanut butter cup. It's incredible. And it's nutritious. How is that possible? Who are these people? You can find out for yourself by going to magicspoon.com slash filmcast to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code, which is filmcast, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T, at checkout. You'll save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash filmcast and use the code filmcast to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's get to our review of Army of the Dead. And by the way, it's going to sound like we're talking to Ariel for the first time because we were, but uh, <laughs> just deal why. So, yeah. okay, just okay. deal with it. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right, here's the trailer for Army of the Dead. Mr. Ward. How would you like to make $50 million on a warm summer's evening? On a train bound for nowhere, we met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring. Out the window at the darkness, the boredom overtook us, and he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life. Out of reading people's faces. Think about everything we did, all those people we saved. The way they held their eyes. Look what it does. If you don't mind saying, what if? I can see you're out of age. What if just once? We did something just for us. You ready to play? There's $200 million in the vault beneath the strip. With a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. 
That was from the trailer for Army of the Dead, the newest film by director Zack Snyder. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Joining us today on the Slash Filmcast is Ariel Fisher. She is editor of the Shutter Weekly newsletter, The Bite. Ariel, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty well. I'm actually very happy to be here. All right. Uh, you're Yay. actually very, very happy. Actually, yeah. unlike I know. Most, I, said unlike everybody if, else. I said that as if it should be shocking that yeah, I don't is. know why I said yeah, it that no, way. No, it is. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, now it's, it's, it's now in I'm contrast just, to most of our guests, yeah. quite in, frankly. Yeah. yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. All right. So uh, you are an editor of the Shutter News Le- uh, Weekly Newsletter, The Bite. You yes. are an expert in all things horror. Uh, (laughs) So I thought you'd be a great uh, candidate to talk about Zack Snyder's new film, Army of the Dead. This is a return to form for him, right? There's no Uh more superheroes in the spandex and the capes. It's just, there's no uh, beloved classic graphic (laughs) novels. No more overly muscled people in tight outfit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, clearly not. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Instead, there's just a classic heist in the middle of Las Vegas. So. Uh, amongst, by the way, a bunch of zombies. Mm-hmm. So, Ariel Fisher, your overall thoughts on Army of the Dead? I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, and that's okay. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get a lot of flack for this. <laughs> oh, no, you'd be surprised. I am mm. petrified of the Snyder army uh, that is yeah, out there. because, the like, <laughs> I mean, some of my colleagues have written An reviews army of the, of the dead, if you will. Mm. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Some of my colleagues have written reviews of the film already that were lukewarm maybe give or take and they were getting death threats so i'm ready i'm ready for healthy yeah Yeah, Yeah. very healthy well this will this will happen about you know and 45 minutes to an hour into a two-hour long podcast so like hopefully the snyder bros (laughs) will have already dropped out by now fingers Um, crossed Yes, hopefully we'll have bored them into submission with the first yeah. part of the show. There's one but- thing that Snyder Bros can't handle, it's long plotting things. <laughs> <laughs> if we reduce this to slow-mo, then they'll understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 At normal yeah. speeds I can't tell. Yeah. No, yeah. of course not. Well, enough about this zombie army that knows no rationality. Let's talk about Army of the Dead. Um Nice. What did you <laughs> think you said it's terrible. Why is it terrible, Ariel? <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> um, first of all, this whole notion that this is a return to form for Zack Snyder is actually kind of a mis like it's it's a little not it well it's not true because mm-hmm. like when we think about it, Dawn of the Dead, the remake was basically has been his best film so far, and he didn't write it. Yes, it is the best film he made because of James Gunn, and. Not enough people pay attention to that because that movie's tightly written. There's character development. We care about who we're looking at. We care about who we're engaging with. So when things happen to them, it's sad. It elicits the necessary emotional responses that it makes us give a crap. By the way, I'm, I'm allowed to swear or no? I can't yes, remember. Please, please, please proceed. Fucking great. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, they he created characters that allowed us to give a shit, and Snyder was able to shoot it in a way that selectively focused on things and gave us good headshots. And that was great. That was fine. He did his job. 
But this doesn't even manage to do that. It's a <laughs> Wait lot of a gratuitous gore. There, there is a number of, of brief scenes right before someone is killed where we are given some emotional stakes immediately before. Immediately. It's like they remembered right before they needed to die that, oh, we should probably know something about them <laughs> right <laughs> before they, they get offed. It's literally like the scene right before they die. Like, hey, hey, hang on a second. I got to tell you all of our emotional backstory real quick. Oh, my God. And I know exactly who you're talking about. And that scene made my head explode. So (laughs) Made your head spin around. (laughs) No, completely. Yeah. 360. I just, it's, there is, it is so terribly written. And we don't really know anything about the characters. All of the female characters are basically MacGuffins. The main plot is basically a MacGuffin. There is nothing redeeming about this movie at all. The violence is occasionally entertaining and the action is kind of okay, but I found myself bored. And that's saying something. Yes. Because this movie should be, should have been anything but boring. And, you know, the, hei- the, the greatest heist of all time, it certainly is not. Wow. All right. Well, uh, a stark uh, review from Ariel Fisher. Devinder Hardor, your thoughts on Army of the Dead? I'm just going to clear my throat here. <laughs> this week, this week, oh my I gosh. saw a movie in which a tough-as-nail survivor from a hellish experience is forced to go back into the belly of the beast, accompanied by a tough-as-nail fighter dude, like a military guy, a corporate guy. We cannot trust a really cool tough-as-nail Latina character. But enough about aliens! Nice! (laughs) (laughs) Boom goes the dynamite. the dynamite. This movie is is bad aliens. (laughs) That's that's what this movie is. A thousand percent. Yes. (laughs) It's like he just saw aliens and he was like, "I I could do that again um but yeah uh you know i don't know if i'd say it's outright terrible i think there are some serviceable things in this movie i think there's some decent set pieces but not nearly enough for a two and a half hour long movie um i think the idea that uh ariel that you said you were bored with it i felt that many many times i do think it is uh it is practically criminal that a zombie heist movie a concept which just sounds just say it out loud it's like yes i would watch that immediately i don't know how you make that bad or too long or boring and yet somehow this movie did do that so you know there are some things Zack snyder does well i think the whole opening sequence uh which kind of evokes uh again dawn of the dead and also the watchmen opening and everything like this guy is really good at telling a story uh, with a montage of images and visual storytelling. And we mentioned that during the, uh, the justice league Snyder cut, but he, he is not a good writer. He is certainly not a good cinematographer. This is his first movie where he served as DP. And this movie looks ugly as shit. I don't, I don't know what was going on with his love for shallow focus. Uh, So many scenes felt like there was just Vaseline slathered over the lenses. I'm not even talking about the Tignatara stuff, which is cool. It's kind of cool how they made that work where she was not originally cast and they kind of had to splice her in digitally. But yeah, this movie just feels like a nothing burger because I don't I don't care about anybody. And that's a damn shame because you got Batista doing his all. I think Batista is one of the best uh you know wrestlers, probably the probably the best wrestler turned actor that we've ever seen, uh, especially his like small character roles. Go, like I, I love seeing him. I think every time we see him on screen, he gets better and better. 
he is Sounds bringing like his. Devendra does not smell what the rock is cooking. I do not smell what the rock is cooking. <laughs> and we we've talked about this before. I think the rock is cooking stale burgers or some shit. Like oh, the rock is stale. How dare you? Batista, How dare Batista you? is like is a genuine actor. Okay, and he brings his all to this movie, but his character is nothing. His character is traumatized several times for no apparent reason. I don't understand the whole thing with his daughter. There are people that go back into the city for no goddamn reason, uh, just to be like potential, like victims or people that have to be rescued down the line. Nothing about this movie makes sense. The heist is awful. The heist is right. This is like a dumb oceans 11 movie too, because it's like, they, they lay out this complicated plan and they just kind of within 30 to 45 minutes, I didn't time it, but it felt like they just, they just kind of got there. There was like one little bit of action set piece uh, in between them getting there and they pretty much get to the vault and everything. And yeah, there's some stuff to deal with ahead of that. But it didn't feel like it didn't feel like an odyssey. It just felt like they kind of just walked in and a couple scenes later they were at the thing they were supposed to be at. So I think like in terms of uh, tension, in terms of, I don't know, tone and how they were like carrying this movie. It just felt muddled and confusing. And there's a lot of stuff with the, uh, the zombie community that we're not, you know, that, that we'll talk about too. I felt like some of that stuff was cool potentially, but it, this movie did nothing with it. And it's two and a half hours long. I don't know how you could be so long and not engage with any sort of themes or characters or like decent set pieces. If this was two and a half hours of pure action, I would probably be complaining less, but it is definitely not that. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Army of the Dead? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Army of the Dead are best summed up in the form of a limerick. You know, Jeff, maybe we should explain the whole limerick thing to Ariel. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure she's familiar with the limerick. I am unfamiliar I'd... with the limerick. Yes. Well, my apologies, because I, I don't want to do this. Uh, Devinder doesn't want to do it. The audience <laughs> doesn't want to hear it. I'm sure you don't want to hear it. But Dave... <laughs> has decided that every episode <laughs> needs to have a limerick or he walks off the show. It has been made clear in no uncertain terms that there is to be a limerick or Dave is done. He's flushing this show down the toilet. His words, not mine. I'm, so, I'm excited for this limerick. I mean, pressure's on, man. Yeah. yeah. Every, so every week I... I take it upon myself to save the show yeah, he's and give single-handedly saving the show. I guess according to you, yeah. Give giving Dave his, you know, satisfying his insatiable desire for limericks. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Here we go. My uh, my review of Army of the Dead in, in limerickian form. This movie needs to get rid of a half hour of lore that they shove into the plot. It, I surely did not. Need to know that now zombies can love. <laughs> well, kind of a spoilery limerick there, Jeff. Uh, it's know. okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it, it, zombies so, with emotions has also been done before. Sounded so more like, like yeah. a review of uh, I Am Legend <laughs> than Army of the Dead. Ooh. Who's yeah. the real monster? Yeah. yeah. The, the uh, zombies with feelings thing is the other bit that made my head explode, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I don't think I hated it quite as much as, as the last two speakers. <laughs> Ariel and Devendra <laughs> really, really hated it. I, 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 there was some fun to be had, and I totally agree with Devendra that Dave Bautista is really watchable. Like the guy can carry a movie by himself. He can he's carry been, anything. Yeah. He's been, uh, you know, he's been the, the, uh, the sidekick character. He's been, you know, the muscle. He's not really had that 
that star vehicle moment. Well, he's, he's I, had like comedy things. He had the one with him and the kid. You right. know, he's had simpler things. Right. Like but it, I mean, this is he's him, in early rock career stage. Right, this yeah. Point. This is him yeah. as, as, you know, Sylvester Stallone or Schwarzenegger yeah. or The Rock or, you know, the next kind of muscle bound action star hero guy. And he really, he's grounded. He's real. I, I, I was very impressed with him. Um, it's funny watching this movie now because I think a year plus ago, if I had watched it, I would have been like, you mean to try to convince me that there's a zombie outbreak and people still care about money and society and things? <laughs> and now I'm like, yeah, no, that tracks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. People, people would yeah. just like carry on with the zombie. There's a zombie outbreak, but, you know, <laughs> commerce got a commerce, you know. Um, so uh, that's it. That, that was kind of funny. But um, yeah. I have a lot of things to say about this movie. It, there is some fun. As you said, Devendra, the beginning of this movie, which th- this movie is basically a sequel to a movie that happens yeah. in the first five minutes. Yeah. And and that movie, that first that five minutes better. movie, yeah. is really kind of entertaining. I was like, if Zack Snyder could just give us the like awesome soundtrack montage music video version of this, I'm down because... <laughs> That was really entertaining. It was fun. I kind of got the story. No dialogue. It was, it was visually arresting. There was really cool action moments, and it was this this like tone poem of a movie at the first five minutes. And it's like, okay, now you're going to see the sequel to that movie. Uh, and then once people started talking and things started happening, it's like, oh, that's not. I, I prefer that not like this. <laughs> yeah, not I like prefer, this. Yeah. Prefer the music video. Let's go back to the music video. Um, the. Uh, uh, the other thing I'm, I am required to, to tell you is that uh, my friend, uh, noted board game designer and friend of the show, Jeff Engelstein, uh, sent me a message uh, saying that uh, th- this is the least thing wrong with Army of the Dead, but that $200 million in $100 bills mm-hmm. Weighs four thousand four hundred pounds. Yeah, uh-huh. this yeah. is a that diehard is situation. Two point yeah. two yeah. tons, yeah. Uh, and if uh, how many people was it? Five people. Yeah. Uh, so each person would be carrying eight hundred and eighty pounds of dollars. Uh, yeah. On one helicopter. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. Also on one helicopter. Uh, so just you know, keep that one in the back of your head. Falling apart helicopter too. Yeah. It's very uh, striking compared to uh, Widows. You remember that Steve McQueen mm-hmm. movie, Widows? Mm-hmm. Where there's, it was a major plot point that uh, they'd have to carry $5 million. They trained. They, they yeah. had like, the type trained. of bag so to carry cool. that yeah. much money. Yeah. Right? Such a great sequence in that movie too when they're like in the apartment like running back and forth seeing yeah. if they can even do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what everybody, cool let's detail. stop talking about Army of the Dead. Let's just talk about Widows. <laughs> it's a great movie. <laughs> I, I would underrated. just rather do that. Underrated, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, but, you know, I did have, there is some fun moments <laughs> it's not i don't think it's it's uh if you can shut your brain off there is some fun visual stuff sure. it is way over long i despised everything having to do with the zombies and the lore of the zombies yeah as you said davindra mm-hmm. the the premise is so wonderful it just sucks that we're never going to be able to see a zombie heist movie because yeah. now it's he been done it. he yeah, ruined and he, it and, and it, it really isn't a heist movie. Like, there's no... The fun of a heist movie is how they're going to heist it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. no... There is no fun thing. It's lit- And even, like, the thing that's, that's, that's set up to be the really challenging part, which is, like, unlocking the lock, is completely undermined immediately. And, and then how it happens is com- 
so uninteresting. Oh, man. And yet, you know, there's these beautiful visual moments of dollar bills flying in the air as people are attack- getting attacked by zombies. And it, But none of the sequences make any damn sense. All of the all of the lore of, around zombies makes no damn sense. It, it it's really an unfortunate movie because there's some like there's money on the screen and there's some cool stuff and there's some good talent at work here. It just seems to be frittered away on something that wasn't. It's kind of half baked as far yeah. as I'm concerned. It, it should be illegal to do the heist. Uh, we're putting a team together montage and then have a shitty heist. You know, right. like, or maybe Rick and Morty just ruined me on the whole concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> you the, son of a the, bitch, I'm in. Yeah. The thing about the heist, like the the fundamental formula for a heist film, you assemble the team, mm-hmm. then you describe how you're going to get to the thing, and then you get to the thing. And the thing is that just the way in which those latter parts happen is just so uninteresting. You know what I mean? Right. In in this movie, it's not like, well, we gotta go underneath this tunnel. Like we got to go, we can't yeah. take the a canal because of the blah, blah, blah. So now we got to do the blah, you know, like it's so just banal. none of that. It's just, it's completely banal. It's like, we're going to walk directly to it and there's going to be a lock and then we're going to yeah. unlock that yeah. lock. You're the yeah. safe guy, right? The, the yeah. toughest safe in the world apparently can be unlocked with the human ear. So and like, and, and that's the uh, thing that really bugs me so much about this is like, Honestly, this whole thing and Snyder's exercise in f- trying to flex his muscles at probably one of the most complex genres to write mm-hmm. in existence is just really insulting to the genre. Because, like, he do- he pays no, like, there is no respect for what it actually takes to make something as complicated as what you guys just described. Yeah. Because it takes, <laughs> it's a lot of moving parts. It takes a lot of finesse. It's, it's, you've got to be a good writer to be able to put something like that together. And he is not a good writer. He just isn't. Like, I keep thinking back to Sucker Punch and going, seriously, it's the same guy. <laughs> like, it's not. And oh, it just so many, so many feelings. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is super weird how any emotional beat happens in this movie, because it's literally like two people pulling each other to the side and having an emotional beat. <laughs> yep, yep. When it's like, that's it, not at the exact moment that it's mm-hmm. the exact moment that it's necessary to have. an. it's like. It's almost like uh, this this flow chart that, okay, well, we need to feel something before I kill this character yeah, off. Yeah. So let's kind of have an emotional beat here. It's very, it feels so um, paint by numbers, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, you know, at the end, we've got 20 minutes. So before the thing happens, we got to like go, go, go. And they have the time to do all of these little side things, including the deep heartwarming <laughs> conversations, including going halfway yeah. across the entire length of the place to save the dumbass who they shouldn't have brought along in the first place, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah. And yeah. It yeah. Just, oh. The thing that bothered yeah. me the most, though, was the first of all, this movie stars uh, the guy who plays uh, Bly Tanaka, Hiro, Hiroyuki Sonata, super yes, talented actor. And love I'm just it. like, man, uh, it, it, this, I love this guy. He was amazing in Sunshine. I wish like the last two movies I didn't see him in were Army of the Dead and Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Mortal you know? Kombat, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's a super talented guy. And he's like, okay, I want you to break into this uh, safe and get my money back. Um, isn't it his safe? Like, why does... He I need know. a safe cracker. If he, it's his safe. He owns a safe, right? It doesn't he know? It's true. The combination. Also, anyway, can never. I get can't get it. over him doing a literal Iron Chef reveal move. 
in, uh, <laughs> yeah, in this the, movie. Of the model that they made? Yeah. Like, and what, how, do, how does the model of the exterior of a building that is now broken down help in any way? It is completely useless. They don't, <laughs> I, I don't even recall him pointing. This, okay? I, I barely recall him pointing to it. He puts like the helicopter on it. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. It had a helicopter on it. That's yeah. why yeah, it You, you could just say there's a helicopter on top of the building. You don't yep. need to build it. You don't need to model. build the whole model. I didn't, he didn't have time to uh, oh, man, paint just, it or bring it to scale. I can't envision where the helicopter is. Oh, You said the top of the building? But how do buildings are... Oh, it's so complicated. Can you build me a model? Uh, So I am more in the Jeff camp on this one. You know what? There's an interesting experiment. Interesting experiment, this movie. A lot of interesting experiments left and right, you know? Sure. Uh, Can we shoot an entire film in shallow depth of field? And the answer is is no. I don't think you you can. You certainly can. You you can. Well, yeah. I mean, you can technically, but uh, does it work? I don't think so. And and this movie showed that, that it doesn't. It's not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so I'm gonna. I'm not gonna talk too much about this, but I will just say that like, I uh, my birthday was last week, and my wife uh, bought me an OLED television for my birthday. Oh, I'm so, I'm which, so sorry. This which is I, the movie. Yeah. Well, which I watched this movie on. Yep. And we put the OLED television in our living room and. I'm not joking. The yep. entire opening scene was completely unwatchable because <laughs> I, I literally could not see what was happening because the living room is like has some daylight coming into it. And it was so dark that I could not I literally could not understand what was happening. I had to go back huh. later. I, I think night. you may, you you may need to calibrate, calibrate. that I, shit. Yeah, yeah. No, you need to calibrate. It, well, I mean, I would I would argue that the movie is just very, very, very dark sometimes. It, it is a very dark <laughs> and ugly movie. How about that? But I, well, I did you not have mention... that experience at all. I'll, okay, I will say, but but also um, maybe your enemy is uh, sunlight. I think that's true. I think it's the, true. the enemy to any good screening room is definitely something like I thought you were going to mention, Dave, the the weird ability for this movie to make you think you have dead OLED pixels, which is the scariest <laughs> thing about this the movie. The scariest like there, thing of all. There yeah. are several scenes where there's like a broken pixel like in the middle of the shot and it kind yeah. of when it splits between different shots, that pixel's still there. Uh, apparently, I, I haven't heard officially from Netflix what's up, but people have seen this in Stranger Things and other things. Um, it's it could be a bad camera sensor pixel, apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it could show up across the movie. I think this a real is, DP probably would have noticed that. Well, uh, not not necessarily uh-huh. even DP, but like you could uh, mask that in post, but that didn't if happen. If you fa- like, if you notice the issue, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. So. Uh, overall, I th- this is a movie where, like Jeff, I, when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good time. This is not a bad time. And then uh, now that I've gotten some distance away from it, I feel yeah. like it's actually a pretty terrible film. Yeah. Um, but That's, yeah, it perfectly sums up my experience. Yeah, it, it, when I'm watching, it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like big budget, you know, <laughs> yeah, zombies, yeah, yeah. Doing Look zombies. At this concept. And then, it's great. And then I get to the uh, like two days later, I'm like, what was that? Like, there's nothing. It leaves no taste in my mouth, unfortunately. Dumb as shit. I, so, I felt yeah. like you guys for the first half of this movie, right? I was like, oh, this is fine. This is cool. Yeah. That one, right. there, there's a sequence uh, once they get into the city where they have to get through a, you know, a swarm of zombies that are apparently frozen or asleep yeah. and they can't, they can't touch them. So stupid. That was cool. I, <laughs> I know. It's kind of cool conceptually. That was basically a scene in Silent Hill the movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. So like it has also been done before. It was at least like, that was like the one piece of the movie where I felt a bit of tension and a bit of like something going on. Yeah. But there's also, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Go no, ahead. there's also the two alien ripoff scenes. I mean, most of the movie, but there's mm-hmm. the two main scenes, including uh, the coyote directly ripping off a line that, uh, that's, that Ripley says in aliens yep. Yep. about, you know, they don't screw each other over seriously. 
Like, really? Bad writer, dude. Come on. Like, pretend. Just pretend. But then you've got the whole Die Hard ripoff when they're going to the safe and opening it up and you have this grand sweeping classical Mm. music that comes on and the glow from inside and the slow motion as they look at the money and all of this stuff. Like, dude, somebody else did it before you and they did it a lot better. So unless you're going to up the ante. And they're playing Mm -hmm. Wagner, okay? Like, that's (laughs) that's the joke. Uh, Uh. Well, what about the fact that it's a zombie movie that uses the needle drop for the cranberry zombie. Mm. Well, I, mean, I actually don't think that's that bad because, well, anyway, l- 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 who has the balls? Who has the balls to do zombie on a zombie movie? Only Zack Snyder. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get to let's get to spoilers for this movie, guys. We have some spoilers yeah. we got to talk about, so let's get to it starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Okay, uh, the zombie use of the Cranberry song. Mm. Let's just talk about that briefly. I think a lot of people have been making fun of Zack Snyder because he uses the ter- he used the the song "Zombie" in in uh-huh. the movie about zombies. Uh huh. There is a very mild case to be made that uh, that the uh, you know Zombie City slash McCarran Survivor Camp is a metaphor for Guantanamo, <laughs> and that these are like political prisoners, in my opinion. Um, I mean, yes, yes. You know, and, and I think there's theoretically, like, theoretically, right? And it's like, hey, we don't, we don't know what to do with these people. You know, like we we made yeah. this situation, we don't know what to do with it. But, and, but the and, song was not even about that. No, I know. Exactly. Like, it's a, it's yeah. not about zombies at all. It's about uh, political violence. No, no. But, but I'm saying the song wasn't even playing over a scene dedicated to the political prisoners yeah. in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. that's 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 true. That's true. Yeah. But I just I, I don't think <laughs> that didn't last long. I don't day. think it's yeah. quite as thoughtless. As, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think it's quite as thoughtless as people think it is. It's, it's not. not it's not. <laughs> listen, there is certainly thought. There is. Yeah. It, but it feels like I, a big head empty thought to me. I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty sure the thought was. This has the word zombie in it. (laughs) And I think that's it. She sings it really cool. She has that like Gaelic lilt, you know. I mean, the song is still cool. It's a good song. song. The song is exceptional. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the version of the song she recorded before she died. Yeah, it's like Mm. the, yeah, it's like the uh, sort of understated, like toned down. uh, Exactly. Orchestration. It's, it's, It's beautiful. But yeah, it just felt a little on the nose. On the nose. On the nose and poorly used. All right. Well, you know, I tried, but uh, I didn't succeed. <laughs> but I didn't succeed. Good effort. And that's okay. I, I feel like, like we you were... tried harder than Zack Snyder did. So congrats. We're talking about the, you did. the yeah. cool setup uh, heist scene. It's baffling to me that the the vault itself has a number of science fiction style traps right. yeah. that literally were not mentioned at all. In the in the <laughs> run up to this to this heist, right? I there, think he, he mentioned there were some there, there were, were some booby traps. Deterrence, yeah, yeah. yeah. deterrence, Something right? Like Which that. is yeah. a lie, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I guess we're supposed to think that he just sent them to die yes. anyway. Which we learned, but, yeah, yeah. But if you're doing a heist movie, you could have this really cool sequence where we find out about all these crazy traps. How the hell are they going to get by them? They, they maybe even have a plan to get by them. Right. That plan they drop it or it gets stolen by a zombie or, or whoever was going to do the thing gets killed by this. You can't do it. How are we going to do it? 
Then we figure out, oh, we got these zombie fodder that we can just throw at it. That would have been a cool, ingenious level of creativity from our heroes that we could have Mm -hmm. seen in that moment. But as it plays out, it's just like the next thing that happens. There's no, there's no like aha moment. There's no cool thing. It's, it's played for laughs. And I think that the sequence actually kind of works on a goofy level in that moment, but it could have been a really awesome heisty moment to see how they overcome this insane challenge. I think that sequence really captures what, is wrong with yes. this movie and and mm-hmm. by that i mean Zack snyder is torn by competing impulses right mm-hmm. and, and th- those impulses are as follows number one that sequence is straight up goofy like it's yeah. mm-hmm. it is almost like slapstick with like oh the zombie gets crushed by these it's like a video game style thing that you know these that mashes the zombie flat and it's like ha 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 it feels it so funny? almost Right out of the first Resident Evil movie, to be honest. Like, there there are those rooms of crazy traps there, too. Well, even right, before right. that, like, yeah. the first zombie he goes and gets, like, won't go into the trap, just turns around, and they have to kill it. Like, it's it's a it's a comedy, yeah. comic yeah. relief moment. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but then, the, the problem is that his stuff is so relentless, his, like, tonal, his tone, like, visually mm-hmm. and also story-wise, is so relentlessly bleak and dark and sad that it just feels... Uh, you, you know, incongruous with that kind of stuff. Similarly, as you described, the moment when he has this kind of heartfelt moment with this woman he loves right before this zombie runs up and like twists her head all the way around. It, yeah. Like, uh, th- yeah. my reaction to this was, what am I supposed to feel in this moment? Like, I, I genuinely didn't understand what was supposed to be my reaction. Am I supposed to be shock at the horror of it? Am I supposed to be laughing because I'm uncomfortable? Like, I, I didn't understand what he was going for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think yes. he's just this like, well, that's this mm-hmm. tone that just jumps all the way around. That's just impossible to nail down. I think you know? another macro example of that mm-hmm. is if you, if you want to have a fun zombie movie, which is to say a non horror, not non scary zombie movie, right? There are, there is night of the living dead, which is trying to terrify you at the concept of zombies. That's not what this movie is trying to do. This movie is trying to, we're having a heist. We're still, we're having fun. And the fun of zombies is that you can kill them, right? Yes. You can kill them by the dozens. They are. You don't need my, to feel bad about it. You they're they're one of the only classes ex- of creatures you can kill without. Perfectly guilt, fine. Zombies. To, Nazi to, zombies. Yep. Right. Yep. Perfectly fine to chop their heads off to come up with creative, gruesome ways to dismember these things. All of that is the fun of zombies. It's the fun of zombie video games. It's the fun of these tone zombie films is wacky murders. Yeah. And the reason for that is because the zombies don't fall in love and make babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right? those feelings. Mm-hmm. So many like, feelings. What, what the impulse to like give them a society that has a hierarchy, mm-hmm. make them show love to I mean there are there is emotion on screen between these two char- zombie alpha characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then clear progeny (laughs) yeah so which by the way is overly formed for how like tiny that that woman (laughs) is like that even just the biology of it i was like you're Mm -hmm. still a human being even if you're an undead human being well she obviously had special pregnancy zombie powers well also clearly also also, i mean not to get sidetracked but also like he goes at the very end they've got the head which is still alive and he Mm -hmm. wants the head 
And the big fuck you to him at the end as she throws the head and it smashes. But theoretically, was he going to get the head and reattach the head to the body? If so, he has sure. already removed the embryo from her body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, he just wanted the head to be able to kind of like keep in touch with her. Um, <laughs> you can still chat. That, that, was my, talk, that was my take. That was my take. But, Listen, okay. I played Resident Evil 8. You could just stick that back, right back on. That's um, what I'm saying. You, I, I thought yeah. he was going to try to stick yeah. it back on and be like, oh, so sorry about our baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ariel Fisher, let me ask you this question. Um, yeah. we, you, you've seen a uh, number of zombie films at this point, I assume. I, um, many, yes. You know, and, you know, we've seen. Uh, directors, they need to choose between having like a slow zombie or a fast zombie <laughs> or a quiet zombie or a zombie that only wakes up under certain circumstances. And what this movie presumes is what if we didn't have to choose? <laughs> what if yes. it could just be all the zombies? What if it could be Which, every single type? And I'm curious what you thought about the zombies in this film. I mean, at this point, all bets are <laughs> off. Like he just did whatever the fuck he wanted and it didn't matter what exists as lore or canon or what came before it. Like, <laughs> I guarantee you this guy has not seen I Walked with a Zombie and does not know about the progression of zombie films from voodoo to George Romero. Like he does not know what he's doing. But, uh, <laughs> but the parkour zombie maybe he is knows cool. what he's doing and he just chose yeah. to disregard it. You know, like I mean, I, I, he probably has seen it is my guess. It, but. it also depends on who you ask. Cause like there are different mm -hmm. schools of like legitimately, there are different schools of thought on what constant constitutes a zombie. Like 28 days later, for example, mm -hmm. a lot of people say those aren't zombies. That is a viral infection. They are not mm -hmm. zombies cause they don't die and come back to life. They get infected and turn. Yes. Zombies are technically the undead that come back. I mm. frankly don't care either way. Personally, <laughs> I think if it's if it seems if it if it looks undead and if it walks like the undead, it's the undead. It's fine. And if that's fast, that's fast. If it's slow, it's slow. Now, George Romero himself did used to say that you can't possibly have fast zombies. They don't exist because theoretically <laughs> zombies are undead. Ergo, there is decomposition. Ergo, they yeah. would not actually be able to move quickly because they would disintegrate if they tried. Mm. So that comes back to my first point that it depends on your school of thought. There's a lot to do with this. Like people have written a lot about zombies, but like the thing that really irked me with this is the fact is particularly the, the love aspect. Cause like he definitely was trying mm -hmm. as hard as he could to recreate bub from day of the dead. And that was a colossal mistake because he seems to have missed that the entire purpose of bub in day of the dead was that we weren't, it was, it was the, the concept that humanity could still exist somehow and mm. also shown as a juxtaposition against the lack of humanity in humanity that humans had lost their connection to who are the real zombies is the well, question exactly. that that but, movie was asking right but that but, but that's the thing that most zombie films have asked from the voodoo zombie films back in the 1930s to present day romero and beyond is this notion that the the villain the enemies aren't the zombies, they're just obstacles. And at the same time, they kind of function as mirrors. They're meant to reflect something back to ourselves that we don't want to see, whether that's slavery as with the voodoo films in the, in the past or with Romero, the civil rights movement and racism and sexism and all of these other things that come about and capitalism and falling victim to consumerism, etc. And like, even in the Dawn of the Dead remake, I mean, Gunn's script was really good, but they kind of missed 
they kind of missed the point a little bit. They mm-hmm. didn't really hammer that point home the way Romero did. And it's not to say that you always have to pay homage to that and it always has to be so serious. But zombie films have always been political, even when they're silly and goofy, like Zombieland, for example, or... Um, I mean, even Shaun of the well, Dead. It's I think we should yeah. say zombie films have the have a high capacity to be political. Uh, do we? I, I guess I guess this one is political as well uh, in some ways, right? It, it it's, tries. It's political mm-hmm. adjacent, you know. Like <laughs> it, it it makes vague hand wavy gestures to politics. But <laughs> operations are bad. Hearing you yeah. talk about it, Ariel, you know, uh, very eloquently, it's just like wow, this you're. You're you're bringing way more um, kind of knowledge and insight than this movie deserves, in my opinion. Like (laughs) you're talking about all these things of these movies that I'm like, did this movie do any of those things? You know, no, it it did none of it. And yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of the bummer. Is that hey, listen, at least we finally got to see a parkour zombie. And I really have waited a very long time for that. Yeah. yeah. Parkour uh, breakdancing zombie, I think it was. They also have like uh, dodging moves. They have like dodging breakdancing moves to to avoid the bullets. Yeah. (laughs) That's something. Yeah. yeah. So, we, so you know, in in the end, like, isn't that better than having a slavery allegory? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah. it's at least competitive. Definitely. Um, I mean, so, <laughs> so I want to, I want to, I want to talk for just just the briefest moment, please, go uh, ahead, friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, about <laughs> how this movie uh, wants for like two and a half minutes to be uh, cool, like Christopher Nolan. When it's like, mm-hmm. maybe it's all a loop. Maybe, maybe oh we're in a time loop. Oh, yeah. I was almost going to change my grade from a C plus to a B plus. You know, <laughs> that when that would happened. have been a failing movie- grade for me. I was sitting there yelling at the TV being like, you're fucking kidding me. You're going to pull a lost on this now? Seriously? It would have been incredible. It would have been incredible. But I, Jeff, love, go ahead. I love that the movie is just like. Yeah, just throw you it know, out there. You know what other yeah. kinds of movies people like? Is uh, <laughs> the ones that have like crazy twists and like it was all the time. Uh, no, fuck that. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe if you really want to believe it is, may, I don't know. I don't know. Let's just keep moving. <laughs> this is like, what you get when Zack Snyder is allowed to run amok without any kind of parameters or, yeah, you know, yeah. checks and balances. And it's the same thing that happened with Six Underground when uh, Michael Bay got to do that for Netflix. He, you know, everything past Bruckheimer, it's like it's like Michael Bay cannot function without Bruckheimer to rein him in and actually make him make sense. Otherwise, it's just bombastic stupidity and not in the fun way. And this felt like that to me. It yeah, felt like this a, is a complete great, misfire. Great yep. comparison. Six. This is, this is Zack Snyder's Six Underground. I think that's yes. a great... Just, it's I, the, I, the id of Zack Snyder is all on the screen in this movie. Yeah, go ahead. I Jeff. can't think of another example of a movie that just stops for a second and goes like, "What if we're a different genre?" <laughs> and then and then goes, "Nah." <laughs> I just can't think of another example of that. It's such a weird moment. Yeah, it's so weird. I, I felt like I was alongside Zack Snyder as he was writing this script. You know, just like really. It's like, okay, he's got the elevator pitch, right? And then it's like, just just like you can see where like the gears were turning. It's like, we got to have this character moment. Batista really has to mourn losing his wife. You know, we really got to like, make sure that one is extra slow-mo. Make sure he screams really hard, really loud. Make sure his daughter sees, you know, we just really got to ramp it all up in there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, nothing about this movie really surprised me except how dumb it was at times. The, the, the thing is that, it all just felt really pointless too. And, yes, and silly, yes. like 
my understanding is they drop a nuclear weapon on Las Vegas, right? So yeah. like any anyone who gets out and walks <laughs> around in that is dead. Yeah, um, not going to be a happy person. Nope. But also yeah. we see that he's not a happy person. Yeah. In an extended epilogue yeah, for some reason. Yeah, really absolutely bizarre epilogue. Um and that so that was really bizarre. There's just all this kinds of bizarre decisions left and right. Like the character we were just talking about, uh, Omari, was it Omari Hardwick? Was it someone else? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Omari Hardwick, who plays Vandero, right? Um, he kills a zombie with a massive buzzsaw in the opening credit sequence. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, like, stay away from that saw, dude. That's my saw. Stay away from that saw. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, saw. I can't wait until yeah. the amazing action scene where he it's uses a saw. Chekhov's bandsaw. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, absolutely nothing happens with it. There's just absolutely no follow up whatsoever. And it's just like, why even put that in there? Like, why even have a reference to it? It just it's, doesn't it's make any like sense. Zack Snyder saw a poster from Dead Rising, a game in which you have a lot of weapons to yeah. fight zombies. I'm pretty sure that is in there. And just that's cool. Let's just let's just get that. Let's never use it, you know. But let's just get that. Let's <laughs> yeah. have somebody hold. Yeah, put that. it in there. But then it'll, it'll it look there. nice. It'll look nice. I think that. I mean, I they, think the movie they, is bad. I I feel bad like just <laughs> making it all about Zack Snyder being a bad. Uh, he's he's a talented dude and has had a very difficult life. <laughs> so I feel bad like dumping on him. But I think the movie has big problems. Yes, you know? that's all. Yeah. That's yeah. all. And like, I'm dumping on the movie here. Yeah. And like, none of this is to say that he is a bad person or that he deserves any ire in any serious way for this. Like, yes, he has had an incredibly hard year. And there are definitely parts of this that to me feel like he was working through some stuff that he couldn't get to work through with his daughter. And that is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think that deserves that on its own deserves a certain level of respect. It does because grief is a serious thing. But at the same time, from a professional standpoint, doing my job, for example, with this body, this body of work and judging it on that, it's garbage. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, speaking, I was going to say, yeah. speaking of other good things about the Sorry. movie, it's OK. <laughs> um, uh, I think the cast is also very diverse. It's a it's a really nicely diverse cast. Yeah. As you, you guys already mentioned, David Batista, uh, my like favorite new actor that I now is like now on my radar is Nora Arna Zetter who plays the coyote aka yeah. Lily I'm like I don't think I've ever seen this person in a movie before but I find her incredible she was in Safe House the 2012 I like her vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2012 yeah. Denzel Ryan Reynolds movie but yeah I, I was like wow that is a compelling screen presence you know um, yeah and for I'm sure I'm glad the movie introduced me to her um and Tara's uh, good. Yeah, Tara is pretty good, and <laughs> it's kind of a yeah. funny. So she replaced a uh, actor who is, uh, or a, I guess, dude who was confu- like accused of fairly heinous things, and so they uh, had to CGI him out and CG her in. And I actually think it's pretty seamless. Like seamless. If you didn't, if you didn't mm-hmm. know about it, you wouldn't, know. So, you wouldn't know. Yeah. What's not seamless though is her character arc because. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen, little... sometimes you decide to go and leave everybody, and sometimes <laughs> in within 30 seconds, you decide to turn right around. It, you know? It's it it's a little weird. Again, it's, this movie has a lot of this where we uh-huh. present a problem to our 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 heroes, and then we cut away, and when we come back, the problem is solved. <laughs> Which it's super weird. Like she gets to the top, she finds the thing the helicopter, 
It is spewing black smoke and broken. Uh, <laughs> she lies that it's working fine, which I actually thought was a, a yes. awesome idea. Like, yeah, I've never yeah. seen anybody do that before where they're lying about how everybody's going to be fine. We don't, don't see her do anything. <laughs> and then when they get there, the helicopter works. It's just a strange, you, you build up all this tension about the getting there and the helicopter's not going to work. And then it just does. We didn't see her work on it or look for parts or, Listen, you know. She, she just did the video game thing. She whacked a wrench at it, you know, over time. And <laughs> yeah. whack, whack, whack and fix yeah. it. Repair. Because it looks like it's in pretty bad shape when she when it's on fire, you know? Yeah. Know. yeah. I, I'm not a mechanic, yeah, I agree. but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't and think I, you I, have to be a mechanic to tell that <laughs> that thing's not going to fly. <laughs> I think. uh at the end of the day, I'm just left wondering what the point of it all was. I think that you were right, yeah. Ariel, like the stuff about like the father and daughter stuff. Yeah, like it, it, there's probably some autobiographical components in there and that's very meaningful. And I um, I hope that it was meaningful for him to make it. But I think that um, everyone dies at the end of this movie. And <laughs> for no uh, reason. And, and also like no reason. the yeah. whole... Um, subplot of that daughter saving that woman like that woman dies as far as i can tell right she's she yeah. dead at the end of the also movie. why i, I still <laughs> why wasn't she why. dead earlier why yeah. did she do anything she was like I, I gotta go into the zombie city for money to save my family which i i think just escaping just like leaving on the bus with everybody else may be a better bet for your family but i don't know <laughs> i don't know everything. it does seem i'm gonna go fight the zombies yeah, with no skills seem... whatsoever yeah. Well, not, yeah not to mention the only reason we are supposed to care about that character is because she's a mother that's literally yes. it like yeah. could, yes. like could you tell me her name if you didn't look it up Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's Gita. She had one. It's Gita. But, it is Gita. But, but it is I, Gita. so I remember the name. But you're right. It's not not, not much of a character. I, I mean, no. Devinger, you say that, and that sounds very reasonable to most people, right? <laughs> At the same time, we've just lived through a pandemic in which people <laughs> would rather, uh, like many people, uh, would rather endanger themselves for economic reasons um, yeah. than uh, the uh, you know and subject themselves to like potential dangerous situation than like you know stay at home because maybe they can't economically. And My so question though is it, is, uh, it's, is it's not as stark as a zombie apocalypse. Like I think you're right, right? Like I, I a zombie like apocalypse probably a big, changes a little bit. bit. Of a difference, yeah, but, yeah. There's a bit of a difference. I think you're right about that. But you <laughs> why, know, like, yeah. why were they the only people the zombies decided not to kill immediately? Uh, well, they didn't kill that other dude immediately either, right? They, they, they said they, they were they, saving people to turn they're, they're saving into the people. super zombies. They're saving yeah. people, you know? Because why, why rush the super zombie turn, you know, well, when you can just you get bake them the over a low heat for <laughs> days at a time? Here's the other thing that's really frustrating about this film, is that there's kind of this low-level hum of discourse throughout it that... Something else is going on beyond the wall that like Mm -hmm. there was some genetic engineering, maybe that it was something that the U.S. government was working on or that it was something that is going to have this huge, big payoff later on. Like it's hinted at subtly from the very beginning all the way through. And even um, uh, the coyote is talking about it. Lily, she's she's talking about it throughout that, like things are different here and the the way they operate and da 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 and all these things. And it's like, okay, so this is going to lead to some big reveal, right? This is going to come to some this is going to come to a head and it's going to reveal something big and cataclysmic Mm -hmm. that's going to suggest corruption in the government that we're going to give a shit about or it's going to suggest something that we can care about the zombies for or something 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 and it literally amounts to fuck all 
Like never does it. That's for the sequel, Ariel. Well, yeah, I was going to say, Zack Snyder's holding that stuff back for Army of the Dead Part 2. So, you know, uh, which will probably never be made, but still. Uh, Can we talk about the fact that the entire zombie outbreak happened because that one dude got roadhead? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very poorly protected, uh, you know, payload that that the military was carrying is like like one one crash just let them all out phrasing um a single (laughs) vehicle crashing into it could completely derail civilization yeah um that said again we did yeah okay go ahead mm -hmm. ariel i was gonna draw another parallel to today's world but go ahead go draw another draw another parallel go ahead well, I think Vince, so hold on. I want to make sure I don't get this wrong. Um, <laughs> Are you going to talk about Sean Spicer being in this movie? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. This movie oh, paid Sean that? Spicer. Where was he? Yeah. Negative points. Yeah, I, I agree. Sean, Sean Spicer points. played himself. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, you guys have heard me rant about this before. I, I And um, Donna Brazil is also in it. Yeah. It, it, it is. I find it so infuriating that those type of people would debase themselves. I mean, Sean Spicer obviously has debased himself a number of times, but I mean, I believe him. Yeah. Anytime you, anytime (laughs) I see, you know, any CNN report, any, any MSNBC, any, doesn't matter who it is. Fox news. It doesn't matter. Like if you're a news person and Hollywood comes and goes, Hey, will you like talk about the zombie outbreak on our fiction movie, but be you. I just think you have to say no, or you're a fucking hack. Like I, I I hate that like that forced verisimilitude of ooh look it's it's actually uh you know the people that you see delivering you the news telling you the fake news and this it just it just seems so tacky to me I hate it I think it's fine I but I understand I understand what you're saying and also like uh, specifically yeah. these two are more pundits than uh, journalists you know like it's, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's oh, a slightly still bad yeah. still bad so, in my opinion yeah. Doctor Scott Gottlieb uh from the uh, who was head of the FDA I believe. For a little bit, uh, told CNBC today, I think that uh, that it's uh, real. He said that it's possible that COVID came out of a lab. So yeah. uh, who knows if that's going to end up being true or proven out? But it just is like hmm, another uh, potential uh, real life, uh, real world parallel there. I don't. Yeah. I, again, I, I have no idea, and I'm not saying it happened. I'm just saying this is a thing that happened from the former commissioner of food and drugs in the United States. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I do think there's some interesting real-world, real-life parallels here that are never followed up on and or potentially held back for a sequel. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Reese Boyd Farrell in the chat, as we broadcast live, points out a couple things. First of all, he says, they don't show Gita again at the end at all. We have no idea mm-hmm. if she's yeah, alive I have no, or dead. What, right. what did happen so, to her? Yeah. So I assume she died in the helicopter crash because we just never she see her She wasn't in the helicopter, I didn't think. Did she and, make it into the helicopter? I think she made it to the I helicopter. I think I she made well, it to the helicopter. Uh, the daughter, what, whatever her name is, uh, doesn't even seem to look for yeah. Gita. <laughs> so the thing that drives that entire character's arc n- yeah. doesn't come back at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, Reese Boyd-Farrell also says there are robot zombies that are never explained. Um, so I noticed that. There were yeah. like weird... I was like, is that just a graphic effect? Are we supposed to think that there's circuitry under there? Yeah, well, they, there's, there's zombies with like blue eyes. And it's like, are they robot zombies? <laughs> Do they have supernatural parts? Like, it's never clear what's going on there. It looks so, cool. Why do you have to ask questions? I, yeah, it's a good. It's there's good. a Siegfried and Roy Tiger zombie. Yeah. Oh, and that did not get used nearly enough. Like they, they again uh, that big setup. No, here's, no. Pay here's out. the question yeah. about the, the tiger zombie, zombie tiger is well, you, he does come back to kill Gary Dillahunt at the end. So yeah, and that's it. 
that kill yeah. was pretty good. That yeah. was a pretty good kill. Pretty good kill. Pretty good kill. But here's the question: um, Is a zombie tiger really that much scarier than a real tiger? <laughs> You or know, a real zombie. No. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, uh, I just feel like a tiger would be pretty terrifying on its own. Anyway, it's sort of, it's sort of like the bear from uh, from what was from it? Revenant. The from, Revenant. Yeah, yeah. From the Revenant, and also no, there's a bear of, zombie. What's the bear zombie movie? Yeah, uh, the Natalie Portman one. Which yeah, 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 escaping me right now. Oh, that's not a yeah. zombie. Yeah, yeah, well, you're right. Yeah. But Annihilation. It, Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just mean like crazy monster bear. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a bear. Well, like if it if it was a normal bear. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that what I'm bear saying. is it's, terrifying. That bear yes. is horrifying. That sequence is amazing. Yeah, mm. unbelievable. I love talking about yeah. better movies when we talk about. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ariel, uh, we'll give you the last word. Any closing thoughts on this movie? Ay, ay, ay. Um, no pressure. <laughs> I mean, clearly, I have a lot of issues with this. I don't necessarily think that all zombie movies have to adhere strictly to tropes or anything, but I do think that they should at least not have their heads so far up their ass. And this one does not pan yeah, out, I, which I, is I so disappointing. Kind of, I sense a kind of like anger slash irritation at this movie from you uh, compared to just like a quote unquote normal bad movie. And my sense is that like it's a wasted, you perceive it as a wasted opportunity. Is that is that right? Oh, 100%. It is a complete yeah. wasted opportunity. Because like truly, when you think of what makes zombie movies great, which is largely the human component. And when you think about what makes heist movies great, which is that they've got killer montages, they're deeply complex, and they have so many moving parts that it is endlessly in, like exhilarating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This should have been a no-brainer. And like, mm. why was it only in Las Vegas? Why couldn't it have been like the entire world got overrun, really raised the stakes? Because otherwise, like, seriously, who gives a shit about this? Go and live your fucking life. Like, there's, <laughs> like truly, leave Vegas, bomb it. Why was this ever a question? I do like take out the point, like, they, they should have just bombed that in the nineties, and I, I, yeah, agree. That was a good I agree. Sorry, Vegas people, but I yeah. agree. No, hundred percent. But you know what, guys? Um, all things considered, it's still pretty impressive that Zack Snyder made a movie. Yeah, amazing. Yes, yes. So, well done, amazing. Dave. It's yeah. more impressive that he got the funding for this. Frankly, <laughs> indeed. Uh, that's just that's something I've agreed to end every review with. By the way, Ariel, yeah. starting last oh, week is no, no, no worries, no, no worries. It's perfectly <laughs> true. It's cool having your honest reaction to it is fine. Um, but uh, you know, every think, movie. Dude, Every movie I think, is hard to do. Yeah, go ahead. Dave, I think from now on, the, the new corollary to, yeah. to, the, to that uh, sign-off on, on each movie yeah. is that you do not explain it to the guests. I think that's a good that's a good call. That's a good call. Don't explain it to the guests. See how they react. I yes, get it. Yes. I get it. Anyway, all things considered, it's still pretty impressive that Zack Snyder made a movie. Movies are hard. They're labors of love, and uh, you know, a thousand people worked on this thing. So uh, that's going to bring us to the end of our review of Army of the Dead. To talk more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com, email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from uh, filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Check out his YouTube channel. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. Errol Fisher, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Um, you can find, I, I share most of my stuff on Twitter, so you can find me at AFIS8, A-F-I-S-8. Um, I have a website, it's currently down, so it's my name, arielfisher.com, but it'll be up soon So enough. don't go there. Don't go but, there, uh, not yet. But check out her, uh, her, uh, Twitter account. My Twitter uh, has I a would, lot of stuff. I would periodically, periodically, you can also find me on CBC Comedy or, uh, Fangoria and Slash Film. Next week, we will be reviewing Riders of Justice, a new action comedy starring Mads Mikkelsen, which is a bunch of words that we like to hear together in one sentence. You can check out Riders of Justice, available right now for rent or purchase on video on demand. 
It's what we're going to be reviewing next week right here on the Slash Filmcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. We watch the-